get it going. It's time to get up. I believe that in the last few days, the league and the players have engaged in conversations about a start on January 15th with training camps opening approximately two weeks earlier. These guys are here to break it all down. I think the exciting thing is, is we're going to continue to get younger and the players that you know, can, can, uh, that are going to come in and challenge for spots, they've earned their stripes. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski. T-G-I-F. What's going on, everybody? Yeah, yeah. It's Friday, December 4th. Rolling into the weekend. James Sabolski. Perry Selkowski, Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass. This is the starting lineup here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Lots to get to over the next three hours. And, Pear, you know, weeks ago, weeks ago, I had the Christmas lights up. This week, we put the tree up on December 1st, mm-hmm. decorated. We're ready to go. But last night, man, a key element of the holiday tradition in the Sabalski house went down last night. A viewing of a Christmas story with Ralphie chasing his dream Christmas present of a little BB gun. You'll shoot your eye out. Done. Really? That's got to be the earliest you've ever had it, no? Oh, probably. Yeah. Might have to do it twice. Yeah. (laughs) Might get a second screening for sure. Yeah. I I bought the eggnog last night. Oh. So we are set. And um, we will go for the first time uh, to a tree farm and, uh, and pick a tree out tonight is, is our game plan. Lights are all up. Everything's good. I went and fixed the timer yesterday. So at 5 o'clock, it's the ah moment. Um, so, you know, you want to time that perfectly on the driveway. But uh, we'll go get a tree today. And uh, we have been pushed to go at least 10 feet with the tree. So I think we're bringing the biggest tree we've ever had in here. Extra lights have been bought. So yeah, that's our challenge for us today. And it's perfect timing still. Uh, I had a post-op uh, meeting with my doctor yesterday. He said, you know, you're, you're 95% healed. Like don't pick anything up that heavy, but pretty much good to go if you wanted to run. But I can't tell my family that. I'm going to milk it for at least two more days. <laughs> yeah, you're 95%. You know what? I'm about, uh, I'm about, sorry, I'm about 40% guys. Yeah. Yeah. I can't Monday or Tuesday, I might be able to really help out. <laughs> and today is trash day. So I said, you know, I really shouldn't be there. Both Where's the tree farm, heavy, Pear? So. What's that? Where's the tree farm? Uh, we have some have found one, hand found one in Maple Ridge. So we're going out to Maple Ridge to get it. And it's closer than you uh, think. Hey, yeah, it is. <laughs> Listen, not, not that I was being serious, but where we lived, I said, really? You know, I always like to, to read the room. I said honestly, let's just get a saw. Like, how many how many hikes are we in? Oh, obviously, it's illegal. Can't do that. But yeah, we're gonna go give it a go. You know, get the get a coffee, go by a Maple Ridge, got a trailer, and uh, see what it is. I don't know what we'll end up paying. I don't think the prices are crazy. We were always that IKEA family. Loved it. Always have been. Let's go. Let's have a little IKEA dinner. Let's get a tree. They give you like a ten or twenty dollars coupon for use later. Um, and it turned into a fun little tradition. But yeah, going inside to Ikea, which I believe we saw the restaurant still is open. That, nah, that's probably not the way to do 2020. Mm-hmm. So we'll try something different. Christmas has kind of been hijacked by, by Christian, my daughter's boyfriend, who stayed here. 
he's just been all these ideas and the next thing you know he does them and my wife and I go yeah, it's our house so he says we got to use a big tree this year so we're going to try with the big tree and see what goes on yeah i was a little reluctant with this the tree size that uh that we got i felt like it might have been a little small but you know what it's up and it looks it looks sizable enough for the living room, so the kids seem over the moon with it, and we had a nice decorating they, afternoon. Are, a few days ago. are they not part of the process when you pick it? Or oh no, they were part of the process. We went to a nursery yeah. uh, a, f- a few days at the beginning of the week, and uh, you know, kind of eyeballed. Uh, you know, I think we stayed away from the hundred and fifty dollar trees. You know, I don't think we needed one of those, oh, I but know. I think we, I think we settled on a, I think a seventy to eighty dollar tree, and. And uh, okay, all right, we'll go with that. It's always, you know, I don't know if you've ever had it happen to me, but it's always been the fear factor. We're better now. But when we didn't have the appropriate vehicle to buy a tree and I would be tying it up to the roof, always the fear factor, right? That was that the heart would get racing. That was my game seven. Is this tree making it all the way to our place? We have a lot of hills to climb. And uh, <laughs> never lost it, but did have some movement. Now we're past that. We got trailers. We got everything. We used to go to art naps where you spend some big money, and they, but they would wrap up the trees good. Yeah, I did hear of a buddy who made me even feel better because, as we said yesterday, the Mister Fix It part. A lot of my buddies aren't like that, especially one who was unsure of the tree, but thought he would be good because he actually duct taped it. He duct taped it to the top of his car. It didn't get very far. And I thought, you're serious? Like, yeah, you, that, you went that blonde for a moment? What are you, playing on an adult hockey team and going to Alberta and playing? Like, come on, think about it. Oh, my God. Didn't work. But anyways, good for you. You're set for the holidays. We'll be good by tonight. Nice. Nice. Looking forward to that. That sounds like a nice, fun, uh, a very Sulkowski Christmas. Uh, 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber uh, text line, always open for business. Here's what we got coming up over the next uh, three and a half hours uh, or three hours or so. And, and, hey, how about this? In an hour pair, Niles Hoaglander set to join us. Uh, one of the uh, one of the most intriguing prospects in the Canucks prospect pool. Uh, I think Jim Benning in our conversation with the general manager yesterday certainly alluded that he's going to get a shot in the way he's playing. They fully expect him to compete for a roster spot if and when play resumes. And some news this morning that we might be a little closer than you think when it comes to return to playing as well. But Niles Hoaglander will join us uh, just after 7 o'clock this morning. So looking forward to that conversation where, you know, we're starting to see. And I'm going to get into this coming up at 6.30 here, Pear, with when it comes to uh, Canucks prospects and all that. Like, we're, we talk so much about a second wave of covid we're kind of getting the second wave of Canucks prospects here with what's happening. Uh, you know, obviously there's the Pedersen, the Hughes, the Bessers, uh, but there's, you know, Hoaglander, Pod Colson, you know, Cole Lynn, Brogan Rafferty, Ole Olevi. Like there's a, there's another wave that's set to come here, and, and at least they may not all be hits and they may not all pan out, but there's another wave of young players that are almost ripe here now. Yeah, and of, of bigger quality, right? You know, a whole glander of Pod Coles, and you know, you you watch the World Junior Tournament, and those guys weren't third or fourth liners, right? They were they were dominant players in their respective teams. They were dominant players in the tournament. It's been a long time since you have seen that from a Canucks perspective, and they've been able to spend their time and and you know what to kind of uh, mature and get ready to go. Whole glander played last night. 
Uh, his team lost two one. Adam Tambellini is on the roster of that team too. So for some local local flavor to what he's been doing. But you're right. I, I think here's a guy who really during this pandemic we knew before, you know, their league stopped for two weeks. But you know, talking back to, you know, go back when Pedersen and, and you know Markstrom when he was a connect. Those guys, when it shut down last March, they went to Sweden where they were doing it differently and they kind of stayed on the ice the whole time. So I'll be curious to find out how much hockey he has actually missed. And I would assume from a training perspective, he's continued and certainly Jim Benning mentioned his name. And now the news that's coming out this morning from our Elliot Friedman, thanks to Don Waddell, you know, who runs the Carolina hurricane talking to management of their arena saying, Hey, expect January 15th. And that now seems to be James. We talked about this week would be important. We didn't hear a whole lot. And I thought that would be good news. It seems like um, as much as we had the, Hey, is there's no negotiating involved. It might've been, yeah, we're actually talking and that we may indeed have hockey on January 15th, starting up again as Elliot Friedman reporting. There's some news going on right now. Well, here's uh, here's the Hockey Insider uh, just minutes ago on our uh, sister station, Sportsnet 590, the fan out of Toronto. But uh, Elliot uh, alluding to the suggestions that we just might see training camps get up and running once we kind of finally finish the turkey leftovers. Here's what he had to say about this. I've always believed they were going to play. I, I always have. And I have to tell, and I have to tell you that, uh, like I said, Don Waddell, I kind of got all our eyebrows going yesterday, and I, I think that the teams. It sounds to me like the teams were kind of informed that there were going to be that there were positive developments coming. So um, we're we're moving in that direction. We're we're going to play, guys. I've always believed that. I, I won't change my opinion. Uh, I think we're going to play. So there's there's Friedman uh, that, okay, some positive developments uh, could be on the horizon. Now, here's a, a little more of a detailed outlook of what we could be looking for uh, from a scheduling standpoint, length of season. Here's Friedman on that. I believe that in the last few days, the league and the players have engaged in conversations about a start on January 15th with training camps opening approximately two weeks earlier. The number of games would be in the 50s. I had some people telling me 52. I had some people telling me 56. But they've re-engaged on this. Now, what I think they're talking about is that the non-playoff teams uh, would report, like in the last few days of December, they'd get two or three extra days. The playoff teams would... Uh, report a report around New Year's Day. Um, uh, I think that uh, the end of the regular season would be around the beginning of May. They'd build in that schedule with a buffer zone in case they had to make up games. Uh, and I'm hearing the season would be over sometime around the end of June, beginning of July. So that's what they're talking about here. Now, the financial issues, I don't have... Uh, a full picture on that, although it sounds like the escrow ask about changing the caps is going away um, because I think everybody realizes here the players were not willing to agree to that, and but they are potentially more willing to talk about deferrals. I don't know where that is, but that's the information I'm getting as I wake up this morning. So a 52 to 56 game season. January 15th puck drop that's a tentative sort of pie in the sky right now but you know get through Christmas 
and get through New Year's and you get a two-week camp, probably a couple of exhibition games in as well, and then it's go time for the National Hockey League if we're to believe that some of these positive developments over the last couple of days here, Pear. And, and remember Gary Bettman we were kind of talk, listening to at the uh, Sports Business Journal conference uh, just earlier this week, and he was kind of talking about some of the some of the stuff that's been reported has been overblown. So maybe this is exactly what he was alluding to. Well, uh, you know, interesting to hear there, you know, from a player's perspective there, what's the money? How much more money are we giving? And it seems like the league has backed off that. So if you back away from that at, at some point, and we talked about it yesterday at length with Berkey, it's a 50-50 business. If the owners are bringing some money in, um, you know, everything's okay for the players. If they're losing money, the players realize that they're going to have to give some back, whether they do it this summer or whether they do it in three years from now, your business that you're involved in isn't doing well, you're going to take the hit. So I think there's a there's no negotiating that. That's the understanding of your 50-50 deal. I'd be curious to see if they do anything different with the playoffs. But, you know, I had always said that January 15th would likely be it because not that it was about the holidays, but Gary Bettman was the one who said, January 1st, I want January 1st. And I don't think the players want to give everything Gary Bettman wants. But you finish this by early July, James. That puts everything back on the rails to say, all right, vaccines here. Life is normal. When we play hockey in October, the fans will be in the seats. Uh, you know Whether the fans are going to be coming back in droves, we wait and see. Depends how that goes. But listen, that's such great news that on the 15th we'll get some hockey. But I do want to get into those details. I would love to know. Here's what will look different in the playoffs. They'll start with the Canadian division, or is it a Canadian division all the way through? But certainly you can just tell enthusiasm in Elliot's voice that, yeah, there have been some real positive moves. Don Waddell. How come it's all, it's always a GM in a small town or something? Eh, no one's going to read this. Hey, guys, make sure you have the rink ready by the 15th. It's not coming from a Benning. It's not coming from somewhere in Toronto. But it's Don Waddell in Carolina that said that last night that got all this going. Oh, I just think that the, probably the GMs in the bigger markets are tighter-lipped. Right, mm-hmm. where there's there's more of a you know what don't bug me. Where in the smaller markets they're probably looking for a little more uh, a drum up some interest here, right? Like how many people, you know, hey look, the Carolina Hurricanes have won a Stanley Cup and they've been to two Stanley Cup finals in the last twenty years, right? Going in two thousand two and two thousand six, you know. But at the same time, like how many people are thinking about the Carolina Hurricanes right now in Raleigh? Right, as college basketball gets up and running, you've got the NFL going down right now. Like, is there, you know, it, it, you kind no, of start exactly. thinking, like, is there, you know, it's not hockey is not front of mind where it is up here in this side of the border. Well, and you tell someone who owns a building, they tell someone, and all of a sudden, the next thing you know, it's out there, and you're up in Canada going, oh, here's here's the situation. He mentioned this, and Elliot does his digging this morning and finds out that, yeah, indeed, there have been some talks. There's been positive talks, and it really could be in the next couple of days that everyone goes forward. And this is no surprise to any of the players. I mean, when we had Bo Horvat on back in November, he was already skating. I think these guys figured that they would be back at some point. Maybe it delayed a few more weeks than they anticipated. But I think from a mindset of a player's too, it's just easier to know. If you're going to work out this morning and you're hearing this news, now you're in your head, okay, so I'm going to go hard for another couple of weeks. I'll have a day or two off at Christmas time, go hard, and then we're on the ice January 1st, January 2nd at whatever set arena we're at. Just easily mentally for everybody to know that there could, in fact, be that date coming around the corner. 
Well, you know what? Some positivity, right? And given the week that it's been with respect to even here locally with, you know, how COVID, COVID-19 has impacted, especially from a sports standpoint, right? Old-time hockey kind of took a kick in the ass here in this province earlier this week. Um, you know, we got word from our soccer association last night that, you know, games are done. Now, we were already kind of done with games, and we were just playing within the association, but even that has been shut down. Practices have been once again reduced to just scrimmages. So it's all about the skill drill from here on in before the Christmas break, which is about, what, a little over, uh, about a week away here before we kind of hit the winter break. And so um, they tried. I think a lot of sports tried, Pierre. Uh, and it's kind of a limp to the finish line here as we uh, we near kind of the Christmas break for, for schools and also for a lot of s- sports associations, you know, whether it was minor hockey's been dealing this uh, for a while and, uh, you know, we're seeing it with soccer and outdoor sports now. And, yeah, don't, don't you think it make, makes sense, James, for you to go, hey, girls, we have, we have pitch time, the same as practice. If you want to come practice, great. Just let us know. If you don't and you don't want to start up again until January, let us know. I think you'd have a lot of kids go, you know what? Actually, I don't want to then. I'll start again in January. Like some may want, if you're in a high level skill, great. I want, I want to play, I want to play. But others just go, hey, man, up to you. You do what you want, but we'll see you in January. Yeah, I think, I think most parents, I think parents want to, I think parents want their kids active, right? I think parents spend a lot of money on youth sports to keep their kids active. And, you know, and I think you see some sports where, you know, there are kids that are there because their parents have just got them in there that you can, mm-hmm. it's evident that they don't really love the sport. They don't really like it all that much, but their friends are there and they kind of just stay active for an hour, you know, twice a week and, and do their thing. And then there's, you're right. Then there's the other ones who will happily stay on the pitch or on the ice or on the diamond for three hours. Right. Give me, give me more, mm-hmm. give me more. And so, yeah, I think it's I think it's probably a case by case scenario, but I would say if if I could guess and maybe I'm wrong on this 650 650 the Dunbar Lumber text line, I think a lot of people are bummed, you know, kind of getting to this point. I think a lot of people I, I don't get me wrong, I think some coaches are probably ready for a little break, but I think a lot of people are bummed at more and more of the restrictions kind of clamping up. But we'll get into this a little bit more coming up in just a little bit, but it is time to bring in our money man. Guy who's going to try to get us paid this weekend in the oh. National Football League. Unless he's still in he quarantine. He was bummed on Monday. Yeah, his bank account might be in quarantine right now. But Steve Rapp from Sports Interaction Inside the Lines joining us here, as he always does on this Friday morning. Mr. Rapp, how are you, sir? Good. Speaking of highly skilled, I will tell you, I was listening to you guys talk. It reminds me that soccer is a winter sport in Vancouver. And I raised, yeah. three, da- I raised three daughters in Vancouver. And I have seen more girls' house league soccer uh, than any one person should ever have to be <laughs> yes. had to do so in the pouring rain every week in the pouring rain sometimes sunday during nfl football before we had red zone on our tvs by our phones by the way and uh yeah no, they they weren't very good they just played recreational and i my wife made me go every single week to watch all three of them it's anyways let's talk football well technically we were weren't we you're full the whole argument other argument okay all right tee us up what do you got all right so i'm going to go back to the well here guys new orleans atlanta I had atlanta right last week uh i'm going to back to the well with the falcons offense that did exactly what i thought they were going to do last week they bounced back from a bad performance 
Uh, now we get them as a dog again at home to uh, the New Orleans Saints and the Saints open as a three minus 20 favorite. And the public is split 50-50. Atlanta is seeing about 75% of the money. So right now, Teeter's on three even. Uh, might even see a two and a half. So you might want to jump on this if you agree with me on this one. And I'm not sure we've taken anything from the two Taysom Hill starts other than the fact that it is Madrid Reeves offense. Uh, the 31 they put up against Denver last week can be thrown out as they were giving short field after short field. And then a de- defense just gave up for good reason. Uh, he passed for 63 yards, albeit he didn't have to pass for more. Uh, but the week before, he passed for only 210 against this Falcons team in a week that Atlanta didn't show up in New Orleans. And that set up last week's play. I like Atlanta in this revenge spot that's fresh in their mind coming off the game. They got their offense back on track last week. And if they get rolling again, I don't see Hill and the Saints offense keeping up the way they're currently put together. And I'm going to be sprinkling some on the money line here as well as I smell a bit of an interdivision upset. Saints have won eight straight against some pretty weak competition. I will take Atlanta plus the three. Yeah, and I think uh, Atlanta getting a little healthier possibly too. I don't mind that play at all. I was all on Taysom Hill for his inaugural start, but I didn't see anything against Denver in that strange game to uh, to Wait make me think they'll be any different. But you guys are, um, you guys are you... overlooking. Hold on. You're overlooking like the fact that the Falcons always blow it late in the fourth quarter, guys. How are you overlooking that? Yeah, they've, they've kind of fallen out of that the last couple of weeks. They haven't done it as they've gotten healthier. Uh, and they've thrown around on a fast track. Um, and uh, my, question, my question to you, Perry, is how much does Sean Payton hate Jameis Winston? That, that he that, that he can't put a guy yeah. past five thousand yards last year. I mean, he didn't play he didn't play Hill last year when Bridgewater went in for five games. They're off. I mean, they've won two games. And that's really all all uh, Peyton cares about. But they're not moving the ball. Uh, he just he will. He, I mean, uh, my guess is Winston's just throwing picks in practice, and and and, if, and Peyton's going. No, nah, no, nah, we're not going to do this. No, and I, I, I agree with you because I, I like the Taysom Hill call. I thought he would be better than he has been, though. Um, you know, he's just yeah. taken away that that air attack from them. So, you're right. They're counting the days till Drew Brees can come back. Uh, where else do you think we should put our money, Steve? Uh, New England at the L.A. Chargers. L.A. Chargers opened as a two-and-a-half-point home chalk. Professional money pounded that number to where it now sits at Pickham. And I'm going to make this one real easy, guys. Are you giving me Bill Belichick in a coaching matchup over Anthony Lynn and I don't have to spot points? Yes, please sign me up. If it can go wrong, it does go wrong for the Chargers under Lynn. They're 4-16 in one-score game since the start of 2019. The ways they have lost games are too numerous to list, but just know many have come down to poor coaching decisions. They're near the bottom of the league and stopping the run, and that's all Belichick's going to want to do here. Let's not forget Belichick's record against rookie QBs, which stands 19-5, and five, and he hasn't lost to a rookie QB in seven seasons. Um, I believe football is a sport where you can actually put a quantitative value on head coaches. I don't think that is factored in here. This number or this number would be a lot higher. Belichick over Lynn Pitt. If taking that one's wrong, guys, I don't want to be right. Pat, Pat's pick, that one just seems a little too easy to me. Oh, I like the uh, I like the Isaac Hayes shout out there. You know, I, I will say this: I don't think Justin Herbert's gotten enough love this season, and maybe it's starting a little more now that Joe Burrow's, you know, done for the year. But uh, you know, two has obviously been nicked up the last week or so. But uh, Justin Herbert, man, like they got something special. It seems he just hasn't got the wins, but the numbers. Have and been unfortunately, fun. where he is, I mean, yeah. he's in a he's he's a set he's second he's on a second fiddle team. 
uh, renting space in somebody else's uh, stadium. somebody else's yeah. stadium in a city that doesn't even know they exist. It's really unfortunate that this kid has to be buried in this organization under such a bad head coach right now. Hopefully, once they move on from Anthony Lynn, he's not completely scarred like some other quarterbacks have been. All right, number three, where are you going? Washington and Pittsburgh, guys, and I and I went to bed hoping that this number would come up so that I would do it because it, it opened 10, Pittsburgh was a 10-point favorite, and then it was off the board for a while. It did open up 10 last night. I was all happy, but when I woke up this morning, it was down to 7.5. And, uh, and I'll tell you, a short week, a letdown spot, a look ahead nearly what was nearly double digits is now 7.5, has me on the Washington football team. Uh, as I mentioned, line was 10 before Wednesday's game, was off the board for a while. Uh, Pittsburgh has been shoved around and abused through these COVID protocols, and now they face a short week coming off a big game with their biggest rival in the Ravens and have a high-profile game next week against the Bills. The football team has rested off a mini-bye where they made Thanksgiving leftovers with the Cowboys. Washington's won two straight, has covered four of their last six. And while Al Smith has solidified the offense, it's the defense that's leading the way. They rank fifth overall in the league. They've accumulated 36 sacks. They create pressure, and Big Ben isn't as mobile as he used to be. Uh, this is a big number, not as big as it was, but I still don't like Pittsburgh laying these points here coming off this short week with Washington playing well and, and a fight to be the uh, best-looking best looking in the leper colony in the NFC East. So they got something to win for, play for yeah, I like their football team in Pittsburgh. I mean, Tomlin going at him yesterday saying junior varsity with their performance. But, uh, yeah, I, I like that call. Steve, I wasn't thinking about the Belichick, but you've got me leaning that way. So uh, I'm going to follow your Let's lead. Hope we win some money then. Oh, I think we both lost on Monday, judging by your tweet. No, no. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, I was on Baltimore uh, plus the points. And my tweet that uh, was basically for me and everybody else that if we're waiting, if you're waiting for a Baltimore back door, I feel you'll be sorely disappointed. And I was really proud of that tweet. I thought that was one of my better tweets, which actually had a shelf life of less than 30 seconds. But it was no, it wasn't that. the Baltimore. I was talking about the Seattle giving up a plate to Philadelphia. Oh, the Seattle one as well. Okay, what's well, Seattle one as well? I did tweet out plus six and a half just before that game when it went to six and a half. So that was one of those that I was on the right side, and uh, unfortunately, you Seattle backers. And this is the same thing this week. Seattle laying ten points. They should crush this team. But but you tell me, has Seattle ever played a normal point spread game ever? No. No. Figure out. Thank you, my friend. We're up against it. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. There he is, Steve Rapp. Are you ready to deliver a little C-Ball says? I think so. I think so. Bills, by the way, uh, looming against the Steelers the following week, so this could be a huge donut game for the Steelers. C-Ball says the Canucks, you all want to see the kids play. Careful what you wish for because it could mean a step back for the Canucks this upcoming season. We'll get to that next right here on Sportsnet 650. You know, I was like to take this opportunity to talk about myself. Seaball says on Sportsnet 650. All right, play the kids. That's what so many members of Canucks Nation have demanded for the last few years. And if Thursday's interview here on Sportsnet 650 with Jim Benning is any indication, ask and ye shall receive. When the kids are all right, the kids are all right. 
Now, Benning suggested that the Canucks are ready to find out what they've got right now in their prospect cupboard. Training camp this year, there's going to be a lot of competition for jobs. We got, you know, we signed this Jace Howerluck that we really liked in his draft year, and he's close to playing or can play in the league. He's going to challenge for a spot. Uh, Niels Hoglander was playing over in, in Sweden right now, and he's, you know, had a good start to his season, and he's going to come in and challenge for a spot. So I think the exciting thing is, is we're going to continue to get younger, and the players that you know, can, can, uh, that are going to come in and challenge for spots, they've earned their stripes. Those comments come when Benning was asked about the future of veteran Louis Erickson. And then when the Canucks GM admitted later that Michael Furlan won't likely be ready for the upcoming season, he then stated that the club will look to replace from within rather than try and spend. As of right now, we want to give some of our young players an opportunity and see what that looks like at training camp. And, and um, you know, like Zach McEwen, we think, is ready to play. He's going to come in and, and you know, we, he played some games last year. I thought he played good. He gets in on the forecheck. He's a big body. He does things the right way. Goes to the net hard. Has a good shot. Um, so he's going to get a bigger role with the team this year. Um and, you know, so and we're just going to have to see see how training camp like shakes out. Now, you can debate whether this is simply a year to allow the next group of prospects to show what they can do or whether the finances just aren't there at this time, which in a pandemic where numerous teams have laid off staff is completely understandable. But the kids are getting a shot. Benning has insisted in years past that if young players show that they belong, they'll stick around. Adam Gaudet proved that theory last year at the expense of Sven Berchi. As we hear so much about the second wave of COVID-19, here comes the Canucks' second wave of prospects. Hoaglander, Lynn, Rafferty, Yolevi, Chatfield, Rathbone, and McEwen are all vying for a spot here in Vancouver. And Benning is hopeful that his polarizing first-ever draft pick for this franchise, Jake Vertanen, will see this as a motivating factor to step up. It's on him now. He's, he's going to have to have a good summer. He's going to have to come in in, in excellent shape here for us, and he's going to have to show us that you know he, he's ready to, to do the things that we think he's capable of, or, or he's going to get passed by by some other guys. Now, not only are those young players going to push the enigmatic shotgun Jake, but it was also very telling what Benning had to say about Vasily Podkolzin, whose Russian contract expires April 30th and could find his way here this season if he doesn't play in the World Hockey Championships. He's been playing the right side this year. Um, You know, I think his game is going to adapt to the NHL game because of his size and strength and hockey sense. So, he could be a guy, too, that ends up with uh, Pearson and Horvat at some point this year. Well, how about that? All right. right, Like hope. Kids, let them play. But now comes the hard dose of reality. The younger the team gets, the more growing pains the Canucks could endure. After McDavid and the young Oilers came a game away from the Western Final in 2017, Edmonton went two years without making the playoffs. Following a three-year postseason absence, Nathan McKinnon and the Colorado Avalanche finally broke through in 2014, but then proceeded to go four years before seeing it happen again. 
It happens. While we all expect Pedersen, Hughes, Besser, and Horvat to take another step and Schmidt to help improve the D, kids also make mistakes, endure slumps, and hit walls, which might make it even tougher at a time trying to land a playoff spot in an already stacked All-Canadian division. So play the kids, but be careful what you wish for because the long-term gain might also experience some short-term pain. And that's this morning's Seaball Says. It's an interesting way after a conversation with Jim Benning um, to kind of wonder how they perceive the year that's about to come up. You, you, you mentioned long-term gain, you know, short-term pain. Well, we now hear today that, yeah, it may be short. If this season does start January 15th, and that's the story this morning, if you're just waking up, that it appears January 15th is that target date, and they've made some positive moves, as reported by Elliot Friedman. So you're looking at what Elliot said. He's heard 52. He's heard 56 games. Oh, there's your short term. So where are you? Is that is that a fair testament of what is a true playoff team if you're playing 25 games less than a normal regular season? which falls next year if everything's back to normal. Now you got leadership. And here's where we're Jim Benning. You know, we asked him about Michael Ferland, and both you and I are going, okay, he said her Ferland couldn't play right now. You're going, okay, there's that $3 million, so maybe there is someone that they grab. But you look at where this team will be next year. I'm not looking at the results, but I'm looking at Jim Benning as, hey, talking to Chris Deere in the accounting, where do we sit, guys, with money? 4.3 off the books with Sutter next year. 3.7 off the books with Pearson. You may lose Alex Edler to expansion, but he's off the books at $6 million. Yes, we know who you have to pay, but you're going to have upwards of $12 million there. Jordy Ben is off the books, and you know the plethora of young defensemen you hope can step up there. You're in a position to go, yeah, it could be a short-term pain this year. We may not go fast as forward as we th- uh, you know, forward as fast as we think in this shortened season, but when we look and say, you know what, Jake just didn't fill the hole. Pod Colson came there, and we, we think he is ready, so now we got to deal with the left side because we've got money available. They're in a pretty decent position for a team that's been ripped apart for where they are cap-wise to look and see what these kids can do and then pull back in the offseason and go, here's where we have to add, and in fact, we have the money to do exactly that. Take, I mean, look at the numbers right now, right? I mean, you've got essentially two more years of contracts with Erickson, Beagle, Roussel. You got Sutter for one more year. You got Edler for one more year. Like, there's a lot of veterans that are coming off the books here in the next two seasons, right? Like, this mm-hmm. team is going to get substantially younger here in the next, what? <laughs> 18 months, essentially, pair because this season's going to be done, you know, in six months. And if we're to believe the reports by Elliot Friedman this morning, January 15th start date, probably wrapping up the entire year, hoisting the cup by end of June, early July. Right. So, I mean, mm-hmm. if you look, if you're just looking at the numbers from that standpoint, you know, Edler, Sutter, Roussel, Beagle, Erickson. I mean, that's five veteran bodies. I mean, maybe it's conceivable that Edler comes back at a re- reduced rate. You know, I don't think he's going to be getting $6 million again when he's off the books here uh, at the end of this season. But, you know, there is room. There's an opportunity. I mean, we all expect that Ole Olevi might be finally ready to take that jump Benning alluded to. But 
there's also those growing pains that, you know, look at Colorado. Remember when Patrick Watt was coaching that team in 2014? It was, okay, yep. here we go. This is exciting. Look at the look at the Avs. And then they went backwards for a couple of years. And same with the, the same with the Oilers. I mean, they were a goal away from reaching the conference final that year with McDavid's first appearance in the playoffs, and then they went backwards for a couple of years. You know, when you look at the seven teams in the playoff in the All Canadian Division pair, we've talked about this at length over the last couple of months. I mean, there are six teams, or at least five, that I think that are probably in a in a window to say, you know what, we're going for it for a Stanley Cup this year. I think you lump the Leafs into that. I think the Oilers are probably looking at that. The Flames are probably feeling that. I think Winnipeg still feels that way in a lot of ways. And the Montreal Canadiens clearly push their chips in significantly here. Um, So when you look at it, I mean, it's not crazy to think that the Canucks could be on the outside looking in if they're going younger this year. Oh, I think think they will be. I, I think... Uh, I, I all those teams you mentioned, Calgary, Edmonton's just got world class talent. Uh, Winnipeg, I'm I'm not sure where they're going with it. They've got some of their own issues. Toronto and Montreal have all taken the chips and and laid down a bigger bet. But it's funny when we talk about those names, which are bottom six guys, how it kind of turned around. Because if you're having that conversation with any other team, if they're structured normally and they want, well, we're going to lose this guy off the books. He, you know, he's playing nine, ten minutes a night. Blah blah blah. Normally, you're equating players like that who are veterans to a lower salary, but that's where it's killed the Canucks. They spent so much on their bottom six, but now when that bottom six go, you can find yourself a pretty good hockey player for four million dollars. Where you're playing Sutter next year, right? So when that's off the books, you can go at you know we lost some bottom six guys, but to be honest, those guys were paid a whole bunch. We can now allocate that money elsewhere. But it will be I'm not going to say growing pains because there's a lot of talent with this Canucks team. But right now, if they're put in the fast lane of a Canadian division. It'll be a challenge, and I don't think they would say that, hey, when's your optimum year to compete? Well, it's not this year, but I think they would say, well, you know what? Next year, the following year, when we're back to 80-game schedules, I like how we've built our team. I like how we've had leadership there to guide the guys, but now that we've lost to Jay Beagle two years from now, now that we've lost to Roussel, we're going to spend that $3 million elsewhere. It's going to help us, and we know where we're at. They're in a good position. I just don't know if people should be thinking, hey, we beat the Stanley Cup champs last year in the summertime. We're ready to compete right now. I, I wouldn't say that's the case. It might be one step back to go two steps forward. 643 uh, here on this uh, Friday morning. Niles Hoaglander uh, will join us coming up at 7 o'clock here. Uh, looking forward to catch up with the Canucks prospect. And in a moment, we're going to crunch the numbers. We play Stat Me Up next year on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. Grab your calculators because it's time to Stat Me Up on the starting lineup. Here's James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski, and the million-dollar man, Scott Brown. All right, 6.48 here on this uh, Friday morning. Sabalski, Solkowski, and the million-dollar man, Scott Brown from Fifth Avenue Real Estate and Marketing. Scotty, how are you, man? TGIF. <laughs> I am sitting here in my office, which yesterday I was not in, and we have this little practical joke Santa. If it shows up in your office, it's not good. And it's wearing a mask this year. And literally, my office is covered with about 3,200 post-it notes. Everything in my office, every surface but the roof, is covered with some sort of colored post-it note. (laughs) These guys are just killing me with this. Some of the practical jokes this team pulls just kills me. So I walk in this morning to get ready to talk to you guys, and I'm like, what the? 
Merry Christmas. So, Perry, I'm basically somebody's touched everywhere in your office. Uh, yeah, there you go. Get the gloves, disinfect. Yeah. That boy, that's good. Hey, it's <laughs> nice to have Fifth Avenue, everybody there. That's a good way to start your Friday. Guys, I start off our uh, stat me up with this number. It is 2,000. Westbrook the steal. This could be fun. Westbrook the flush. Atomic athleticism from Russell Westbrook. Of course, big NBA trade this week, Westbrook and uh, Jonathan Wall. You know, in the last five years, there have been 79 players that have attempted more than 2,000 shots. 79 players, 2,000 jump shots. So the Wall for Westbrook trade, is it even? Well, of those 79 players, an effective field goal percentage, Jonathan Wall of 79 ranks 78th. Russell Westbrook, who we just heard in that highlight, ranks 79th. Hmm. A lot of people debating this trade. I think they figure Westbrook's the better player in it. But as far as shooting percentage of those who took 2,000 shots, 78, 79, not much of a difference. Russ is terrible. Scotty, what do you got? He's terrible. Can't shoot. Yes. I don't think people like him, I wonder. He gets traded. He doesn't get – he gets trash-talked a lot, man. He plays hard. He just doesn't fit. Like, he's got the worst – three-point shooting percentage of any player who's taken at least 2,500 attempts. He's got a 30% three-point field goal percentage. No good! Well, I'm going to go number 32. I'm going to follow that up with number 32. An unfortunate scene now. Hunter has blown a check. He's lost it. Now, most of you think I was going to speak about Chris Carton and the Seahawks' backfield, being back there in his backfield, 59 yards rushing, one TD. Didn't feel as good as it sounds. Uh, nope. Uh, I've not taught hockey for a while. So I'm pretty excited this morning to hear your conversations about hockey. Um, I don't want to get to the end of football season and have nothing like to focus on like that, so I'm thrilled. Um, so I picked 32, but not, not Dale Hunter. Dale Hunter was what you heard. And that's a unique daily double for you. Dale Hunter was number 32. He's the only NHL player in history to score 1,000 points uh, and also pile up 3,500 penalty minutes. I did my little math again of kind of about how many years you'd spend in the toilet. He spent 60 full games in the penalty box, but still scored 323 goals, 697 assists. But the real reason I picked 32 was what you said yesterday, James, about Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson, number 32, he's going to, you know, rock the court for a number of years for the Lakers, and now he's going to be rocking a Zoom channel near you. That was the, that's why I picked number 32, and I just wanted to give it a plug because I tried to find already on the website where to find it and find some tickets. They're not out yet, but uh, I was really excited when you announced that on air yesterday. Me too. Yeah, I always I think of OJ when I think of 32. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's what I think of when Ford relaunched the Bronco this year. <laughs> but not yeah. OJ. <laughs> oh, I know. And they sold a ton after that. Like, after they had, what, the three-hour infomercial of OJ on reality TV on every channel. Like, what an infomercial for the Bronco sales at the time. Like, I they went the, through the roof. Yeah, exactly. in those I think the passenger side airbag turns into air Al Sharpley or something, though. But... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. A, you get an inflatable Robert Kardashian and AC yeah. Tellings uh, that comes with it. Uh, hey, here's my number this morning, guys. Uh, it is 111. Romain Drouin, qui s'avance. Drouin, le tir, et le but! 
Wow, where'd you find a Jonathan Drouin goal there, Balak? Uh, yes. Happy birthday to the Montreal Canadiens, the oldest still operating NHL franchise officially established on this day as J. Ambrose O'Brien and Jack Laviolette create the Club de Hockey Canadien known today as the Montreal Canadiens, 111 years old young today. A storied franchise that you will find in any sport. Scotty, what do you got for some real estate numbers on this Friday well, morning? We'll throw a couple at you. Start with 3,064. So as much as I expected, and at the risk of sounding like a positive broken record, uh, we have a broken record in the Fraser Valley in the Vancouver metro market. We have another hot, hot, hot um, market for November. So the stats are out. 3,064 sales in Vancouver. 22.7% increase over last year's number in 2019. I did talk to you that I expected November to be a little bit cooler compared to last month because last month was so hot. So it was down 17%, uh, but overall 25% above the 10-year average. Homebuyer demands, you know, you know, at a peak record levels in the region since the summer. And, you know, as much as the, the federal government starting to talk about a foreign buyer's tax, not just a provincial one, uh, this has little to do with foreign buying, given COVID. So quite phenomenal. Let's compare that to what's going on out in terms of the Fraser Valley. The Fraser Valley set yet another record. So Vancouver didn't set a record, had a great month. But uh, for another month, I think that's three or four in a row, Fraser Valley set a record sales. They had a little over almost 2,200 home sales. Uh, 54%, almost 55% more than november last year that's crazy and only about half the dif difference from the hot october that vancouver had so vancouver was off about 16 percent compared to last month fraser valley was only off eight percent uh strongest demand seen in the board's 99 hit year history for single family detached and townhomes is what chris shields their president said truly remarkable um if you look at a graph at the end of this year because december will probably be seasonal but but good um uh, if you look at a graph, it's, it won't tell the COVID story if you just compare it year to year. But when you look in the middle and you see the valley that was we were into, the V-shaped valley, and how this market has climbed out, it's, it's truly remarkable. Suburbia. That's where it's at, my friend, right? That Am is right? where it's at. Yes, you are. The activity compared to downtown Vancouver out towards the suburbs, Tri-Cities, all the way out to you know, Abbotsford and even Chilliwack. There's a lot of people migrating out to get single family and attached townhomes in the new market represented half of the sales and there's really not a lot of townhome activity in, in a couple of key neighborhoods right in the center of vancouver so it, it's definitely people moving to more suburban communities uh, working from home going downtown when they need to uh, and i don't know that, that that's going to change even when we have a vaccine because i think companies like ours are going well how much space do we really need and yeah. our team's pretty productive maybe i don't need them in the office every day well, how productive are we with all the with all the uh, all the post-its in your office right now, Scotty? They're, they, they've got time on their hands. Yeah. Yeah, Get back to work. My Instagram later is a story because this is uh, definitely uh, not what I expected when I walked in. But so, have a great weekend and uh, stay safe out there, Scotty. Yeah, you too, guys. Enjoy. It's supposed to be some good weather and. Uh, Say hello to Sonia for it. I'd get a kick out of her, so she's uh, quite the character. She's, Have a good uh, one. 
She's 25 minutes away, and uh, see what sort of uh, doom and gloom she's got for us here on this Friday morning. There's Scott Brown for Fifth Avenue Real Estate Marketing here on Sportsnet 650. Niles Hoaglander, Canucks prospect. Could he crack the roster this winter? We'll t- uh, dive in next right here on Sportsnet 650. Let's get it going. It's time to get up. I believe that in the last few days, the league and the players have engaged in conversations about a start on January 15th with training camps opening approximately two weeks earlier. These guys are here to break it all down. I think the exciting thing is is we're going to continue to get younger and the players that you know, can, can, uh, that are going to come in and challenge for spots, they've earned their stripes. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski. All right, seven uh, seven oh four here on this Friday morning. Sabolski Solkowski uh, on this, uh, and Canucks prospect Niles Hoaglander will join us here in just uh, a matter of moments. Uh, a reminder that this uh, hour is a presentation of Dunbar Lumber, the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner, Arbuter Street in Vancouver, or check them out online at DunbarLumber.com. We just heard Chris Wall's uh, sports update here moments ago, Pair, and some encouraging news according to our hockey insider here at Sportsnet, Elliot Friedman, suggesting that looks like uh, we might see the puck drop January 15th, so maybe some encouraging developments this week uh, by the NHL and the players, uh, a schedule that probably somewhere around 50, 55 games would be looking at, and, you know, Nicely tightly compacted between uh, January and and the end of June here uh, for this upcoming 2021 campaign. Yeah, um, last night the uh, Carolina Hurricanes general manager Don Waddell had uh, told the Arena Arena uh, Centennial authorities that, hey, by the way, guys, I think PNC Arena, uh, we're probably going to be there sometimes in January, said that there could be a resolution in the next couple of days, Elliot got on it this morning, talked to several people, and you heard that clip there that January 15th seems to be that day they are targeting. It would allow everybody to go through the Christmas break uh, and then make your way to your respective cities at the first of the year, play a couple of exhibition games, a few more for teams. We always forget, you know, we get into the Canucks and what they did in July and August and, and had that run and saw the Stanley Cup that – you know, you're the Kings and the Senators. You haven't played hockey since March, so they'll get a few more competitive games uh, to get going. And then it looks like maybe January 15th will be the day. And so what we thought would be, you know, a little bit of doom and gloom to start the week, James. And it appears as we go into the weekend, everybody very optimistic that, you know, in the next couple of days, everything will be pounded out. Here's when we start. Then I want to see what it looks like. How many teams are going into the playoffs? Are there play-in games? Is it strictly Canadian division? all the way through or will there be a flexible schedule where you can adjust if indeed come you know april or may there's a chance that you can travel elsewhere are they in bubbles are they in cities lots of those questions but the first one needs to be when do you play and appears like we're circling january 15th now well here's hoping things stay on track and you know the nhl we've sat there and we've criticized them for the bickering and the squabbling the concession demands after coming up with a new cba uh, you've got the NA, you know the NBA ready to tip off in what less than three weeks from now, and 
Um, you know what? It, it looks like it's coming together, but the way the NHL slow played it in the summer it worked perfectly for them and their bubbles in Toronto and Edmonton, respectively. We'll see how this plays out here in the next couple of weeks. But joining us on the line from Sweden with love, uh, Canucks prospect Niles Hoaglander here uh, with us uh, this morning. Good morning. Good morning. How, morning for I, me, so, but, uh, <laughs> what time is it for you right now? It's four in the evening, so... Okay. All right. So you're just you're just winding down here, uh, getting ready to go. I I look at your social media pages here, uh, Niles, and and man, like fishing and hunting. Like, do you like? Do you prefer fishing or hunting? Like, what's your what's your go to when you're when you're away from the rink? Uh, I will say it's easier to to be out and fishing than than hunting. Hunting is much more. It's harder to do, but uh, it's easier to fish. So fishing is more. More for me. Niles, what's your best fish story? What's the biggest thing you've reeled in? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I haven't catched so so big big fish, but some big pike pikes I have have catch, but it's not not that big. And do you throw and them back in? Catch... Sorry? Do you throw wait. them back into the water or do you, or do you like fry them up? <laughs> I fry them up. Nice, yeah. Attaboy. There we go. <laughs> hey, I don't know if you were on while we had our sports update, and if you heard, um, you know, it seems like there have been some positive talks for January fifteenth. As you sit and you guys played last night, and your your season continues, um, do you focus on what you're doing and playing in the Swedish Elite League, or are you looking? Do you go to social media and find out? Okay, when and if are they starting? When could I be jumping on a plane? How involved do you stay? Are folks just saying what's going on in the NHL? Of course, I I wondering a little bit when when NHL is starting, but I just try to focus on on my game here in, in Sweden and try to help the team as best I can. So uh, I hope it's NHL starting soon, and so I can go over to the camp and and do my best. But now I just focus focus on, on what I can do. So, yeah. You know, and, and, and we just talked to Jim Benning, the Canucks general manager yesterday, and, and he's talking, you know, your name comes up a lot when, when we talk to the Canucks and they say, you know, hey, look, we expect you to compete for a, for a roster spot when, when camp ultimately happens. Does that excite you or do you get nervous thinking that, okay, man, there's people that are pretty <laughs> excited to see what I can do or are you just excited to show what you can do once you get to Vancouver? Yes, yeah, always fun to today take up my name. So, no, I, I I'm excited <laughs> to go over and 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 do my best and, and try to take a spot. So, uh, I'm really excited to go over. Nils, what have you since being drafted? What have you tried to work on personally as you prepare to get your chance at the NHL? Where did you go? Okay, this is where I need to get better. Yeah, it's hard to say, but I think I work on everything. Like I've been older and and I play in SHL now, and this is going on to my third season. So it was, I've been older and played played more, played more minutes, and uh, yeah, everything I would say is hard to take. Now it's Hoaglander well, with us here thing, on Sportsnet. Oh, yeah. sorry, uh, sorry to cut you off there. Um, are you ready for the NHL? I am. I, I hope so. I'm excited to 
to go over. So, uh, of course. Um, how would you, let me ask you this question. Uh, you know, when we talked to the Canucks, when everything stopped in March, uh, and, and we talked to Jacob Markstrom, who was still a member of the Canucks and he was back home in Sweden and we know Pedersen was, and while nobody in North America was skating, they continued to skate. Now I know your Swedish elite league shut down for two weeks and you're back up playing and you played last night. How much hockey have you really missed? Like how much time away from the ice have you had Nils, because it, it, you know, here in North America, there's a lot of players that that had to stay away for a while. There was no ice to skate to. Have you missed a lot of time during this pandemic, or have you been able to play and or train through most of it? I think it's really big difference between there and here. Uh, if I be honest, I haven't I haven't missed so much hockey. Just that two weeks we got we got off for the for the virus, but. I haven't missed so so much. I have been on the ice and we have practiced and we have played games. So, uh, yeah, I haven't haven't missed so much. Uh, now I know it, it's yeah. it's it's a small world because I I see that Adam Tambellini uh, was on your roster. Who the Tambellinis grew up probably about four minutes from where I am right now. But Cody Curran is also a young Canadian who had played there. We had him on a few months ago. I want to hear, and you know what? You're just concentrating. You're always excited to get to the NHL. I want you to hear what your former teammate had to say. When I don't even think we brought up your name. He just turned you into a conversation. Have a listen to what he said about you. Seriously, Vancouver, buckle up, because this Nils Hoglander kid, I, I, I played with him the last two years, and um, he's going he's gonna to be a seat filler for, for that stadium. Not that Pedersen is an absolute unbelievable player. I just don't know him. Um, I had some guys that played against him, said he was an absolute wizard. Um, and you can obviously see what he's doing in the NHL. Just their work ethic um, and what drives them to be successful. I think it's, it's amazing what they're doing. Nils Hoglander can juggle while riding a unicycle. <laughs> uh, I, I can barely ride a bike down, up and down the sidewalk. And this kid's juggling on a unicycle. Like, it's just amazing what they're doing um, at, at such a young age. And, and uh, his dedication to the game is incredible nils he's telling us to buckle up what's the deal with the unicycle and the juggling <laughs> uh, first of all fun to recovery again <laughs> no I, I i don't know i was i did it when i was young and um, unicycle and juggling so i just think i did it when i was young and i i can't do it now 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 so i don't know that's uh, that's pretty impressive, though, man. The fact that you can juggle and roll on a unicycle at the same time. Now, I like I look at your Instagram page. You got almost thirty thousand followers already. Like that's that's not bad, man. Like Nils, you're, you're you're rolling pretty hard. Obviously, I'm thinking a lot of Canucks fans are following you. Give me a sense of what it's like with uh, all these Canucks fans following you. What sort of me- what type of messages do you get? Like people just, man, we can't wait to see you, man. You're the best. Like, what what do you get? What do you get from Canucks fans? It's it's fun today. They follow me. I get get a lot of DMs from the Canucks fans, and they're excited to see me when I'm going over. So it's always fun to to read and see see what they they say about me. So. Yeah, it's it's just just fun to to have them there. 
Niels Holglander joining us on the starting lineup. When you skate in the offseason, are you skating with any NHLers? Like here in North America, a lot of guys come back to the hometown, then they gather and they'll work out for three or four weeks. Um, are you on the ice a fair bit during the offseason with NHL players? And who would they be, Niels? Uh, actually, not. Uh, I When I've been up north, it's, it's not that much ice time, so I just work on my off ice, off ice uh, practice. So I haven't been on the ice with some NHL players from Sweden. What are you working on these days? You know, in terms of your game, what what do you need to improve on before uh, NHL training camps get going? If they if they ultimately do. You mean uh, like now or in the yeah, summers? Yeah, for, 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 just for your for your game right now. What do you feel like you need to work on? Uh, it's hard to say, but everything. My my defense is these three seasons in in Sweden. I have been working on my defense a lot, and feels better and better. And uh, puck protection and uh, work on my my shot a lot. So. Uh, I was excited to go over and see see what I can what I can do. So uh, working on everything is hard to say. Pick one. You know, we sit in North America and we always just go to statistics. Um, are you happy with the season you guys have had thus far? Are you happy with your numbers? Should you do you think you you should have more at this point? No, I'm 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 really happy. Uh, for me and the team has. We have played really well, and uh, yeah, we had a loss yesterday, but uh, that's happened, and, and I think we play play really well. Just what what would be the plan then? Um, if it sounds like January first or second is training camp, uh, will you be coming over right after Christmas? Do you know anything about quarantine and how long it would take for you to stay here before you can play? Do you you kind of have that? You leave that to the agent or the or the Canucks organization to when you should be jumping on the plane to come here? Actually, I don't know uh, at a time or that my, I go over, but I just heard that it's two weeks in quarantine when I, I go over. And uh, as I said before, I, I don't know <laughs> the time I go over. So I'm just waiting, waiting and see what, what's happening. Well, it's, it sounds like it's positive news today that maybe January 15th is when it all starts, which means you'll be coming over here. And Jim Benning was talking about you yesterday on our show. Everyone's excited. Uh, we appreciate it. Um, thanks so much for this. I guess it's supper time now, but uh, uh, it's great. And, and you've, you've got a lot of countrymen here that have turned some eyes. And as Cody Curran said, man, buckle up Vancouver. So <laughs> we're excited for you to get here and see your training camp. Have a good holiday season and can't wait for you to get to Vancouver. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, thanks. There you are, Niels Hoglander. Yeah. Wait and see. Right? Wait and see. You think he cracks the rosters? Like, uh, you, you think there's room for him? Well, you, you know, listen, what, what are we going to get from Swedish players other than being so damn polite, right? Now, you realize English is a second language, and, you know, you're listening to that interview, you realize how much Petey's kind of grown, right, and felt comfortable. Um, but you hadn't heard because that Cody Kern interview that we did, Cody Kern now uh, with the Anaheim Ducks, you you hear the enthusiasm on his voice, and he was the Swedish defenseman player of the year. And for him to go, just hang on, man, buckle up, Vancouver, this kid can play. 
I take the word of guys who play the game probably better than scouts. And if you're with the guy and practice with him for two years and you just go, oh, hang on here. I played against players and this guy is going to do something. I don't know. But boy, would that that could be the if he comes in and makes this lineup and actually is productive immediately. That could be one of the biggest home runs the Canucks have ever hit. I mean, Quinn Hughes fell to them, but to grab Hoaglander like they did. And if he can do it, I'm not sure. I like him in the World Juniors, but I look at his numbers. He's got three goals and seven points. He's got 10 points in 16 games. Like, oh, okay, should he be lighting it up? But he's happy where he is. We'll see. Uh, he's tenacious out there on the ice. Um, I think size is a bit of a question in terms of – and yeah. look, the, the one thing that probably works a little bit against him here going into a, ca- a training camp is that, you know, there's a lot of forwards. There's a lot of bodies. But if you mm-hmm. if you take Jim Benning's word for it, you know if you deserve to play here, if you know if you've shown that you deserve to play, they'll make room for the kids. They showed that with Godet last year. You know Hoaglander's going to have an opportunity in uh, in about six weeks if we're to believe the reports here this morning that uh, we're inching closer and closer to potentially a January fifteenth start date. Let's bring in from down the hall with tidings of doom and gloom. On this Friday morning, That's Sonia Asim from News 1130. <laughs> morning, boys. What do you got for us? Um, I'm excited about hockey. I lost track of everything else. I just yeah, so are I want, we. I want the game mm-hmm. to be back on. I miss sports so much. Oh my gosh, uh, what's going on? Uh, you know, COVID, TransLink, both are a mess, but uh, slowly getting better. Does that does that sort of sum it up for you? Oh, by the way, happy Friday. It's actually Friday. Yeah, <laughs> that bit this from could Monday. Be one of the so... longest weeks of 2020. Uh, no, but we are going to end on a high note, and we'll start with uh, COVID if you guys want. Uh, so, BC's vaccination plan, vaccination rollout plan. We'll get the final details next week. But Dr. Bonnie Henry is saying in within four weeks we will have vaccines here, and they will be available for those who need it. Which means, though, like seniors, the elderly, people who are vulnerable, people in long-term care, uh, healthcare workers, people on the front lines. It's not going to be for everyone and we're not going to get them right away, but we will have them. It is happening. It'll happen next month. So good news. No more somber Sonia. Good news. Happy news. Yeah. The vac- we'll have the vaccine here next month. So they're doing a so the federal government is going to get about the, it's, oh my gosh this is a long process within ten days it's expected that Health Canada will green light the Pfizer vaccine that vaccine okay. has to be kept at below minus seventy degrees so on Monday they're going to do a dry run nationwide to see what it's going to look like to get it to the provinces and territories that need it and then within a few weeks we'll get about three million doses in this country now. Uh, I'm no mathematician, but we have like 35 million plus people in this country. Three million is not a lot. So again, it's only for specific people, uh, like I mentioned earlier. And then we'll get those, yeah, within a couple of weeks. And then it's up to the province to decide, you know, who's going to get it. How do you, you know, do that whole process? And those details is what we'll get next week. Well, we're going to get those. Uh, yeah, so we'll get a sense of what that looks like. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I am. I, I feel like I am nowhere near 
any sort of priority. So uh, Brent and I have joked several times over the last couple of weeks, we'll probably get our shots, I'm assuming, in like December of next year. Yeah, and I want to be really... And understandably, right? Yeah, it's not for everyone right away. It's for those who need it the most. And I really want to be clear. I know a lot of people, and I'm seeing this on my social media feeds, like, you know, people are seeing the word vaccine and BC in one sentence, and they're ripping off masks and, like, hugging each other. No, 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 no. Please don't do that. Don't become complacent. Don't see a spike in numbers again. Our numbers are not low. Nothing is low right now. So the rules that are in place currently, all the hand washing, all the stuff we've been doing for about nine, 10 months now, that will continue um, for months to come. This doesn't mean you just start breaking rules because a vaccine is on its way. So Dr. Bonnie Henry's prediction is by September, October of next year, uh, vaccines should be available for everyone. That's still nine, 10 months away. That's That's a problem, right? I I think that's, I think just people have gotten so complacent. Yeah, you can't right? do that. As, as soon as you heard vaccine, <laughs> Pfizer, mm-hmm. it's coming. Yeah. All right. Well, it's coming in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Okay, no, that's not how this anymore. works. That's the problem we have. Yeah. Uh, sure. What the hell is going on with TransLink? <laughs> and I honestly, like, they've been they've been hacked. There's a ransom, and and then and nobody wants to talk about it. Like our public transit system may have compromised a lot of personal information, and I don't want to talk about it. Um, that was such a great segue. What the hell is happening? Oh, there's no way to go around (laughs) this. Like, no, I know. It's like a movie. I said to you guys, it's like the net. Um, so we actually exclusively news 1130 got the ransom letter. We obtained a copy of it yesterday. Uh, it was very creepy. And this is, you know, I joke about the net with Sandra Bullock, but this is absolutely something that was out of the movies because this letter was being printed at TransLink offices, Um, It was just coming out of the printers. This threat was just being printed. And we don't have uh, an exact monetary amount for the ransomware or what exactly exactly they're asking for. We're hearing maybe $2 million, maybe $3 million. So TransLink is not saying a lot. You're right, James, they're not. However, they have said repeatedly that customer information has not been compromised, meaning your personal credit card info. If you go to a ticket vending machine and you tap your card, that is safe. But we don't know that. They're saying it, but we don't know that. We don't have that proof. So uh, they were hacked. They were hacked a few days ago. And something very similar to this happened in Montreal at the end of October. And that uh, ransom was 2.8 million US. And they did not pay it. They did not give in. And the TransLink one, the threat is you have three days, which is today is the third day. You have three days to uh, download another type of software to proceed to the quote unquote next step of this process. Otherwise, very sensitive information is going to be revealed. We don't know what that is. It could be nothing. It could be something. Um, But as of this morning, TransLink says that, yes, you can once again tap your card. You can use a credit or debit at the ticket vending machine. And very much what happened and how it happened is under investigation. Oh, that's crazy. Off their own printer in their own shop. Do you know how scary that is? Like when I heard that, when we got the letter yesterday, um, I was on shift when we broke it and it was you know, we didn't publish the whole thing because we, you know, we're not here to compromise what the cops have to do. But it's an insane letter. Like this is intense. And yeah, you're imagine you're sitting at work and your printer keeps going off with a threat. Yeah. Sounds like it was wow. written by John Ackerman. <laughs> 
I have no comment Jeez. on that. <laughs> but incredibly scary. And yeah, this is, you know, it could have crippled the entire transit system. Luckily, it didn't. And TransLink said, look, we didn't, you know, they didn't shut down the, t- the ticket vending machines. We did out of a precaution. But mm-hmm. still, it's been three or four days. And I don't know how much money is at stake. Stay safe. Thank um, you. Yeah, watch out for ransom. Have a nice weekend. And, uh, you too, yeah. guys. It is finally Friday. You called from Friday on Monday, and uh, it's finally here. So this take is care, true. Aslam. Thanks, guys. All right, there she is. Sonia Aslam, News 1130, chasing ransom notes, chasing COVID That's numbers. crazy, though, man. That transit store is wild. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Uh, Nick Kiprios is going to join us just after 8 o'clock, former Sportsnet insider. He's got a brand-new book out. Uh, we'll catch up with uh, Kipper coming up in just a little bit. But the NHL getting closer to play. And Jake Vertanen still a polarizing lightning rod of conversation here in this market. We'll get to all of it still ahead on Sportsnet 650. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. 7.32 here on this Friday morning. Sabolski, Solkowski uh, taking you until 9 o'clock. Uh, Nick Kiprios will join us on your Canucks commute uh, coming up just after 8 o'clock. No BS, just PS coming up uh, at 7.45. Perry, we talked to Jim Benning yesterday, uh, just under 24 hours ago, and you know, a, a lot to kind of chew on with, with respect to Benning. Uh, doesn't sound like even if there is some financial relief uh, with in the event that Michael Furlan, uh, who won't be ready for the start of the season, according to the general manager, that, uh, you know, if he goes on LTIR, um, they won't look at that financial relief as trying to go out and sign somebody. I think that what they want to do is and try to promote from within and give somebody an opportunity, and that means one of the young players. Maybe that's potentially... Nails Hoaglander, who we just spoke to uh, just a few minutes ago. And I don't mind that decision. I think, you know, sometimes when you have money, hey, it's human nature. You want to go spend it, especially if it's newfound money. And I I hate to use that term when we talk of Michael Furlan, but, you know, if he is unable to play and he still gets his money and the insurance relief means that the Canucks have three million, it's all right. We got three million. Who's there? What are we going to do? Um, I like the fact that in what is going to be a unique year, whether it's 52 or 56 games um, in a Canadian division, um, you just go, okay, kids, here's your chance. Here's a really good opportunity for you to to get your opportunity to see if you can prove that in a 50-game schedule, you are ready to go. And when it gets back to normal the following year, They've got more money in the bank. They'll have uh, eliminated a few contracts, as we said. You, you'd have Pearson, who, you know, is off the books. Whether you resign him, Sutter, I don't know if they would look at that. But certainly, the big numbers are gone. Edler, six million is gone. Whether you work something out for him to to stay there, and plus, you'd have your three million. We know who they have to spend the money on and get new deals. But you know, what do those contracts look like for Hughes and Peterson? Are they just no long term deals that they wait because of the climate and hang on? I. I like the idea. And, and James, the reason I think it's good is, you know, we just had Hoaglander. We're waiting. Pud Colson could be here by the end of April. I mean, we're not waiting for guys who were okay in the respective junior leagues. We're talking about guys who played at the highest level of world junior competition, who played against pros and are playing pros right now as kids. And, you know, they, they have the resume that you would hope to have the opening. I mean, the timing could be perfect for the Canucks. The timing is perfect for these guys to show what they can do. 
You know, 65650 uh, is our Dunbar Lumber text line. A reminder that this hour is a presentation of Dunbar Lumber, the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner, Arbuter Street in Vancouver, or check them out online at DunbarLumber.com. And you can also find us at Sportsnet650 on Twitter, and that's where we're asking this morning. And, and it's funny, Pear, because I think the, the hot takeaway from a lot of people from the conversation with Jim Benning yesterday was the fact that Benning essentially doubled down on his criticism of Jake Bertanen from earlier in the summer and where, you know, he basically said, you know, I wanted to see more. And you would ask him about Jake yesterday and he basically, here's what Benning had to say with respect to Jake Bertanen going forward and going into this season. It's on him now. He's, he's going to have to have a good summer. He's going to have to come in in, in excellent shape here for us. And he's going to have to show us that, you know, he, he's ready to, to do the things that we think he's capable of or or he's going to get passed by by some other guy. You know, we're coming up, what, we're five months away from Jim Benning, you know, being named general manager here. Like, we're coming up on almost seven years of the Benning era here for the Vancouver Canucks. That means almost seven years since Jake Bertanen was taken sixth overall by the team in 2014 pair. Like it's been a long time, and they committed to him financially for a two-year deal. And there's a lot of people that want to fall in love with Jake, and then there's a lot of people that just want to sim- simply punt him into the Fraser River. Um, but you know, he shows promise. It's the inconsistency that drives people nuts. But we're asking you this morning: Where would you like to see Vertanen this season? You know, there's an opportunity in the top six. Will he see sees that? And where are the three options we've offered? You know, would you like to see Jake playing alongside Pedersen and Miller? Would you like to see Vertanen playing alongside Horvat and Pearson? Or would you like or do you just simply see him in a bottom six role? Forty percent of you responding this morning say you'd like to see him playing with Horvat and Pearson. Twenty percent of you want to see Jake with Pedersen and Miller, and thirty nine percent of you see him in a bottom six role. So it is pretty split when it comes to a second line or a bottom six role. But, man, the opportunity is here, Pear. Like, the opportunity is here for Vertanen. Like, you know, flirted with 20 goals before COVID-19 shut everything down in the regular season last year. But I think, like, he's going to get a good hard look, I think, in camp. And But, again, what Benning says, this is up to Jake. Like, is he going to come out and play? And I just don't. He's like the box of chocolates from Forrest Gump. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah, and you should. Um, you know, Jim Benning, by the way, taken sixth overall, too. So maybe that's why Jim has such a long fuse for Jake Vertanen. But <laughs> as he said, guess what? Look what's happening behind you now. We're, we're talking to a whole glander. We're, we're talking to a Pud Colson. And there's excitement and enthusiasm in the voice for fans and organization to go, here's what it is. They know what Jake is on good days, but Jake's got to decide. And I, I was thinking this yesterday because, you know, a lot of people were responding to that Benning interview, and most people thought during the offseason, listen, the difference was you chose uh, Jake Vertanen over Tyler Foley. And, and right now, if these guys get together on the ice in January, I think that's the choice. And I'm sure we'll have plenty of nights and mornings when you go, my goodness, Toffoli got a couple for the Canadians. How good would he look? But I would ask you this from a Benning perspective when you're looking ahead. In a year's time, if you had to sign Toffoli for four years, who knows if two years into that contract, it's not great. And if Jake Vertanen is not doing much or not reaching expectations and all of a sudden Pod Colson comes in and go, hey, that kid's better, 
All right, Jake, you're sliding down. Hey, whole gun is better. Well, you still have Jake for 10 and at a decent number, and you can still move Jake for 10 and for something. Where if you had to fully and he starts to go south at some point, you go, oh, I've still got a couple years of this, and he's slowed down a little bit more. So I can understand that. But I I want Jake Vertana to be something. I kind of passed it, though. And I thought this team was past it. But maybe from a financial perspective, they said this makes more sense. If he doesn't work out, he still will be valuable to others in the NHL. Or with Toffoli, they might have had a harder case. But they're coming, right? Jake's had a lead. He's had about a two- or three-year lead on these kids. And it's not like it's not catchable for him. It's just a matter of whether they reel him in or the, whether Jake's busting his butt right now. And I think the first telltale sign will be, what will we look for the very first day of camp in a Zoom situation, James? What kind of shape is Jake Vertanen in, coach? All right. Well, and, and that. yeah, and, and that was that was a that was an issue going into camp at the beginning of the season last year. It was an issue going back into the return to play. Um, you know, look, and, and the funny thing is Jake's heard all this. Right, he's heard all this, yeah. and and man, he says all the right things. Like I, I think you really want to root for this guy. Like he's a he's a fun loving guy, but unfortunately, fun loving is getting in the way of you know him being the best version of himself. Six fifty, six fifty, the Dunbar Lumber text line moving and shaking because we're talking about Jake, right? Uh, Rusty in Vancouver asking, I want to see Jake playing for another team. Is that an option? Um, Jake in Port Moody. Same sort of deal. I'd like to see Jake playing in the Eastern Conference. I think the guy has worn out his welcome. I don't think he has what it takes to be a true professional because he is way too inconsistent. And it's the inconsistency. Look, you know, the real, the best version of Todd Bertuzzi here in this market, I think Bert was about 25 when we finally really saw sort of the best version of what Todd Bertuzzi could evolve into pair when you go back to the West Coast Express days, you know, as that big power forward. And, you know, he now he flirted. He was hitting close to 20, you know, in his first year in the NHL as around 20. But, you know, I think you saw those flashes. You know, Jim Sandlack was another power forward that drove people nuts mm-hmm. here in this market as well with the inconsistency. I think it's the big guy, right? Like, what what are these guys? You know, they gave up on Cam Neely going back, and, you know, early in his career because, well, it's like, okay, we want to see more. And, you know, ultimately, hey, we're going to go somewhere else here with Cam Neely 35 years ago. I think the big guys here in this market, there's an expectation, and, and Jake has now fallen into that group here as well. Well, because he has so much. I mean, look at JT Miller, you know, talking about Fertanica. Like, this kid just figured it out. Like, you you see what he has naturally. You know, you want to go through a competition. Who could skate faster? All right, then there's Jake. Look how big he is and how well he moves. All right, who's got a good shot? Jeez, Jake's got a good shot. So all that's there, and I think this is why it sours a lot of people, is hard work. Like, if, if you got to wake up at 8 in the morning and work out till noon and then go have a nice meal and work out again to get yourself in the greatest shape ever – uh, then that's all it is. It's hard work. You can take all the power lessons you want as far as skating is concerned, but Jake's probably going to be just as good a skater as you. He doesn't need to do that. So everything is there. That's why the frustration. That's why the wait. But I'm not going to say that the GM was kind of terse, but he's like, yeah, no, I'm, it's on him now. Like I, we kept him. It's on him. And guess what? When it's If he's not doing it, then we'll have no issues at all saying, yeah, you're going to watch now, but you're not watching Louis Erickson play anymore. You're not watching other guys. You're going to see Pod Colson, a Zach McEwen, um, you know, maybe a whole glander going, no, they want it more. And if you don't want it, then it's time for you to go elsewhere. And that may happen. 
If it doesn't happen, this team's better for it because of the tool set that he has. Anyways, we'll see what plays up. Hey, you know what? You need chemistry automatically. Is it BS or is it PS? The most dynamic duel in the NFL? They had first impressions that weren't very good. We'll explain that to you. No BS, just PS 743 on a Friday morning, everybody, on Sportsnet 650. It's all PS, no BS, right here on the starting lineup. In the world of fake news, we've made sure that there is no BS coming your way in the world of sports, just PS. And we begin this morning with PS. They may be the most dynamic duo in all of pro sports right now. Watch them on the football field. Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, instant chemistry, unstoppable last week. But how about first impressions for Tyreek Hill? When you were in training camp and y'all drafted Patrick Mahomes, what was your thought after you watched him that first week in training camp? I thought it was trash. I ain't gonna count. <laughs> I ain't gonna count. I ain't even gonna count, man. When he first got there, I was like, "They who y'all drafted right here? They who y'all drafted? Hey, y'all. Hey, but look, I ain't, he proved me into a whole complete. I don't know. Like he, it just that second year. Like his quarterback mechanics were different. It was like he was spending more time with his quarterback coach, spending more time with Coach Reed, like learning the offense. It was like, dude, it's like different. Yeah, he uh, he was different. Won him over. He'll be an honest. Hill had eight touchdowns in the month of November. Mahomes averaged 390 yards passing the previous month. Uh, they've got the Broncos on Sunday night. First impressions, James. Don't buy into them all the time. Did you ever? Did you ever get it wrong? Like somebody you thought, like, oh, this is gonna be, you know, what the hell is this? And then I'll get for for me in. Uh, I used to cover the Ottawa 67s when I was first breaking into the business in the Ontario Hockey League, and their first round pick, um, you know, one one year was a guy named Mark Bell, and I remember thinking to myself, like, this guy, this guy, they took him in the first. That was their first round pick. And, you know, thinking like, man, this kid's no good. He turned out to be like the eighth overall selection in the NHL draft two years later. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, had a I, decent career in the NHL. But like, you uh, know, your first impressions, right? Like, what? Really? Nah. Hey, I can remember being in school and this guy walks in in this football jacket. And for the first week, it's just like, this guy, what a attitude and pompous and man, doesn't know anybody's names. So to this day, he's been the best friend I've ever had, right? It's <laughs> first impression. <laughs> no, I didn't like you either. No, I didn't care for you. So yeah, first impressions. But yeah, um, sometimes it doesn't look right. And then it turns around and they come to superstars. Tyreek Hill, thankful that Patrick Mahomes is there. Hey, P.S., talk about first impressions. He is Soccer Canada's Player of the Year. And before the end of the year, he will be our Canadian Athlete of the Year. The average sports fan now knows who Alfonso Davies is. I feel like, you know, a lot more Kenyans are, you know, getting to know who I am now. Um, and I'm happy for that. Um, yeah, and getting more eyes on me, you know, that doesn't really change my, you know, change my perspective to, you know, anything. Um, I'm happy that I'm getting, you know, more people looking at me. Um, I'm happy that uh, I can, you know, wear the Kenyan, you know, jersey with pride. Um, and I'm happy that I can, you know, say that I'm a Canadian, you know, playing overseas, you know, doing well. And I just want to inspire the the next generation of Canadian players to, you know, do the same. 
Good thing we didn't tell everybody to come watch him play and they didn't make him readily available for the media. When he played here, my goodness. Do you think he'll live here again? Like, I mean, he has become, he's like, he is on the cusp of becoming an intergalactic star in the football world, right? And, and obviously, he's already won a Champions League title in 19. Like, he's, he's incredible. And we're really just scratching the surface in terms of what he can do overall. But, like, do we see him winding up here back in Canada when he's retired? Or, you know, like, Gretzky lives in L.A., right? Like, he's, you know, yeah. like, there's, like, the greats tend to go elsewhere. I mean, does, does he hunker down back here? I think at, at one point uh, the paycheck that will be delivered to him on a monthly basis will be so big they will be telling him of some places in the world where taxes will be a little easier on him. Uh, he's still a young man. His, his girlfriend, Jordan, is from Chilliwax. She plays on the national team. I think he he came in quietly to Vancouver this year. Um, he's still great friends with Pamo Duka. Um, but I would think if uh, I, he spends more time in Edmonton going to visit his family, like I don't think he's got a lot of people to see here in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. So the answer is, is no. I think he will probably end up living abroad and he will continue to do things. And why they didn't push him even more at 15 to say, hey, we don't want to ruin him. I guess they looked at it as an asset, but I still think that was a fail that the average sports fan should have watched him here when he was 16 and 17 more than they did. And now they're watching him on a global scale. Should have been appreciated Canada soccer. More. 100%. He should have been appreciated more here in terms of, you know, I think the fans seem to know and, and the Whitecaps just, you're right. I think this was more of a financial protect the asset and, uh, and that's what they wanted to do rather than embrace yeah. what, what they had. Uh, P.S. There's some great initiatives in sport, but I love this weekend. It's My Cause, My Cleats campaign. My Cause, My Cleats campaign, uh, cancer research, suicide prevention, whatever an NFL player uh, feels is right. They have an opportunity through their cleats to uh, get the message out. And there's one with a Canadian flavor to it when the Philadelphia Eagles play. Hi, I'm Alex Singleton, number 49 of the Philadelphia Eagles, and this is my sister. I'm Ashley Singleton, and I'm important. Yeah, Alex Singleton of the Calgary Stampeders, formerly of the Stampeders, now plays for the Philadelphia Eagles, always says I'm the second best athlete in my family. His sister, Ashley, is a special Olympian. So Alex is going to wear red and white cleats. He has the emblem of Canadian Special Olympics on it. It says Special O, and then he has Special Olympics Montana. So there's a guy. And see, well, I don't know. You did more CFL stuff than me if you ever got to know him, but... And it's always great to see CFLers uh, going down and making a name for himself. He's got 40 tackles, third on the Eagles this year, uh, but hasn't forgot. So a nice shout-out to Special Olympics Canada and his sister on Sunday when the Eagles take to the field. I uh, I got a lot of time for Alex Singleton and, and talked to him multiple times, uh, you know, when he broke into the league and was just became an instant success. Uh, remarkable story, uh, gives back, and, and you know what? A guy who totally embraced the league. Uh, was an absolute star here. And, uh, it, you know, it, it feels like every time the Eagles are on in prime time, a- Alex Singleton does something big. Like, he does something noticeable. It's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, he does. Uh, you know what? He doesn't strike me as that. Like, when he went down, like, oh, I don't think you're big enough. But you know what? It's like uh, Adam Big Hill. Like, if you can make the plays, make the plays. Adam didn't get the chance, but Singleton is. So, there it is. No BS, everybody. Just PS on this Friday. Your Canucks commute coming up in just a matter of moments. Uh, former Sportsnet insider Nick Kiprios. Kipper's back. We'll catch up with Kipper next on Sportsnet 650. Spicing up your morning drive with the Canuck commute. Niels Hoglander was playing over in 
in Sweden right now, and he's you know had a good start to his season, and he's going to come in and challenge for a spot. So I think the exciting thing is is we're going to continue to get younger, and the players that you know can can uh, that are going to come in and challenge for spots, they've earned their stripes. This is the starting lineup with James Sabalski and Perry Solkowski. It's your Canucks commute here on this Friday morning. Sabalski, Solkowski, uh, hour number three on Sportsnet 650. And boy, pair, deja vu uh, this morning as uh, our producer, Mike English, forwarding us the, uh, the, the news this morning that uh, out of Russia that uh, apparently CSKA is uh, trying to break up with one of their players. One that hits close to home here for a lot of hockey fans here for the Vancouver Canucks, and that's Nikolai Goldobin. They're trying to terminate his contract in Russia. Another team has fallen out of favor with Goldie. Oh, say it ain't so. <laughs> say it ain't so. First, Igor Larionov, it's his fault, so he changed the agent. And then he's over in Russia. It'll be better there. Man. Listen, I don't want to put them in the same group, but Nikolai Goldobin has an awful lot of talent. It just was the take it to the next level. We had a conversation before break about Jake Pertana. Loads of talent. Jake's good enough to stay here. He's got the size and the skill. But Goldie is another one of those guys. I was looking around at, at, at uh, you know, restricted free agents who still aren't signed. Uh, Matthew Barzell, if people are coming back to camp, who he needs, a, he needs a ticket for the island. And I saw Jonathan Dolan's name. There's a lot of good hockey players that lots expected of them, and they don't pan out. And there's Goldie doing his thing. Where is he going after that? Well, there, you're, you're a prospect until you're not anymore, right? You know, this is, you know, Hoaglander, Pod Colson, you know, they, they give hope, right? Um, you know, yep. Cole Lynn, you know, hope, uh, you know, as long as you're still a prospect. And, you know, you'll levy the, you know, the leaves, of, you know, is he, you know, the ripening, you're kind of, oh, is it, you know, is this is this good or not? And I think people have soured on on Yolevi, and we'll see if he ultimately sticks this year and finally shows that he's an NHL player. But, you know, you look at on the depth chart in terms of prospects, he kind of got passed by. But it, it's, it is funny that you offer hope until you no longer do. And like Goldobin, man, like he tantalized people those first couple of years here in Vancouver, right? Like those first few games, you know, undressing a Drew Doughty and and mm-hmm. then, you know, ah, Goldie, let's, you know, go home. Leave us alone. I think I think if you're a prospect, all you want is a shot, right? And Goldobin had a heck of a chance here. With the injuries, where this team was, he had a perfect shot. Um, Zach McEwen has forced his way into the issue player of most improved player twice in Utica. And anytime he was on the ice, even in the postseason, maybe it was a little too much for him, but you still noticed him. Adam Gaudet forced his way. Now he's going to get a great shot this year to say, Hey, I'm in this league for a long time. Goldobin had his shots. Boy, did he ever didn't work out for him and you can't complain. So if you're a prospect, you want that opportunity. You'll levy in a different situation with his injuries, so now he gets his shot. But if you're a prospect, Joe, just give me a chance. They've got their chance. Hoaglander will get his chance. Pod Colson will get his chance. And maybe in part that's why, you know, a guy like Toffoli's not here. Because if you got a guy like that, you're taking away opportunities. But Goldie with an opportunity, you figured he'd be in Russia, just make some money for a long time. But wow, 
on his way out at CSKA Moscow. Hmm. It, uh, it it seemed like such a win at the time for uh, the Canucks moving uh, Yannick Hansen and then uh, just see where it ultimately kind of played out. But, you know, somebody in the Canucks organization relayed a story to me once that, you know, trying to trying to just have a heart to heart with Goldie. And they said, you know, Goldie, I would trust you to date my daughter. And that's not a good thing. <laughs> Right. Like, you know, basically you're too soft, man. I need more out of you. You know, if I trust you to date my daughter, that's not a good thing as a dad. Right. Yeah. Wally used to always say that. I don't want I don't want a football team of guys who are dating my daughters. Yes, exactly. I need some edge. Yeah, you want some? You got need a little bit of grease out there, and so uh, Nikolai Goldobin uh, apparently has worn out his welcome with another team, uh, and and just you know go back to the Jake Vertanen conversation over the last twenty four hours since our conversation with uh, with Jim Benning here yesterday at this time. You know, it's that you know you you see the potential. Uh, and at what point do you kind of wash your hands of it? And I think you know the reaction we've had from some people this morning on our text line on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. People have, you know, had their fill with, with Jake, but he's going to get another shot. Um, one person that we haven't had enough uh, of uh, over the last uh, while since we launched this radio station is our next guest, and it's been a while, and we are pleased to welcome back to the fold, Kipper, Nick Kiprios here to the fold. How are Jerry, you, man? How, how you guys hey, been, man? How, what's going on in this world since we last oh. spoke? A lot. <laughs> we need to buy your alcohol, Kipper. I mean, man, you nailed it with that, didn't you? I am. We're working on it. Uh, you know, one of the things, you know, in my latter part of semi-retirement was to go completely off the board, do something that just is completely unlike me. Um, I ran the marathon when I was 47. I said I got one more you know, off the board, cuff thing to do. So we started a beverage company here in Ontario and it's called Little Buddha Organic Pineapple Rosemary. It checks off all these boxes. It's no sugar, no preservatives, you know, uh, natural sweetener, uh, organic. Uh, so it's it's done really well and I want to bring it out west. We, we, we went with a soft launch in Alberta and I want to push it all the way to BC, boys. You went with organic booze in Alberta before British Columbia? Yeah. Like, what were you thinking? I know. Who's your marketing director? Well, no, it's, you know, there's some, there, there's some, there's like a, it's like Fort Knox getting my drink into BC. I got to be yeah. honest with you. So we're working on it. We're working on it. They're great people out there. They're going to love it when it's out there. Well, you can't go wrong with the name. Beside every Starbucks, there's a yoga shop. You know that, Kipper, so you'll nail it here. Hey, listen, Springtime? We, uh, you know, when, when my wife and our, our our business partners got together, we were like, there's no better time to be mindful than right now. So let's get some uh, little Buddha out there. You sold like 20. What did I read somewhere that you had sold like 20,000 cases just in Ontario alone of this uh uh, yeah, booze, so man, nicely done. Like it, no, but I, you're, you're, you touched on that. I like I remember somebody talking about this between BC and Ontario wines because you got the Niagara region in the east, and obviously we got the Okanagan out here. But man, it is so hard to find. It is easier to find Australian wines in liquor stores than it yeah. is to find uh, Canadian wines, and and that I think it's getting better. Mm-hmm. But you're right, man. Like 
There well, seems and, to be so and everybody, much red tape. Everybody's going to still love their wine and their beer, but there is a, a feeling of, you know, being able to be a little bit more mindful of what we put in our bodies, and it's under 90 calories, um, the no sugar, you know, all of that comes into play now. So uh, I, I think it's yeah. a good time for our product. Nice. Yeah, it'll work. Yeah. This interview of Nick Kiprios brought to you by Little Buddha, coming to you at a liquor store near you <laughs> Thanks, shortly. James. Thanks, hey, thanks, uh, Kipper, do you think, uh, are you surprised at the news today? Uh, you're always so plugged in with the NHLPA. Were you ever concerned? It seems like Elliot's talking middle of January. Uh, were, you know, the, yeah, the words I'm, from Bettman this week made you think otherwise. Are you surprised? I'm not uh, overly optimistic right now with the news in the last 24 hours that they've been talking. And they've been talking all week, guys. But it's really about preparing, you know, the, the fact that if, if we come to a conclusion here on the economics, then all of this will be in place. And that's fine. You don't want to get caught with your pants down. Um, so you want to be ready with the protocols and the quarantines and how much time we need. So all that's happened now is they've figured it out yesterday that, there's not a snowball's chance in hell that we're starting January 1st. So now it's middle of January. But here's the, the kicker, guys, that they have not made any progress at all on the economic state of where they're at. It's everything. It's, it's all the bells and whistles around it. But the nuts and bolts of, of, of the machine, um, they're still at odds with. And there hasn't been any progress at all on the economic side. So we can we can be optimistic all we want, but until they figure out how much they want from the players and how much the players are willing to give, if anything at all, we're really not any further than we were a week ago. Nick Kiprios here on Sportsnet 650. Kipper, in, in the years that we've talked and known each other, I think I've always kind of looked at you as a um, as probably you know for the amount of years that you played in the NHL, you were always kind of a, a player's guy. Um, is, is, yeah, is but not, fit? you know, yeah. I mean, some people accuse me of being a shell and I'm like, not no. even close. I'll give you the perspective of the players, but I'm not going to go there and, and say stuff just for the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm pro NHLPA. I mean, no, no, I, 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 I agree with the that strength of my players, but I, I'm like, there are some guys just shilling right now, unbelievably. And yeah, I, no. I, I'm listening to it and I'm like, it's, it's happening every year. There's no question that it happens every time there's a, a labor dispute. You got people that are, are backing Gary, and then there's, you know, I, I try to do the player's perspective, but at no time did I ever feel like I'm just saying it just to appease either Bob Goodnow or, or Donald Fair. That's that's not what I'm about. No, no, no. And, and I, you know what, and I think, I think to be fair, like I, I think I typically over the course of history, I have definitely banged the drum from my, even from my standpoint, you know, it, you know, in support of the players in, in past lockouts. But, you know, do you, do you feel like it's different this time around in terms of, you know, I, I can understand the players being upset, saying, oh, you want us to make more concessions. But, I mean, this is kind of different from trying to get a hard cap in place and trying to get 50-50 revenue splits. Like this is more about, hey, look, you know, we're in a pandemic. We have no fans in the stands. Like a lot of our revenue has gone up in smoke here. Like, you know, I feel like if there was ever a time I'm more empathetic towards the owners, now is kind of the time. Well, 
you're right that this is a different feel than anything else we have ever gone through before, whether it was a, a strike uh, or, or the what lockouts, uh, multiple lockouts, mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, when it's all said and done, that, those were fair labor fights where, you know, there's this blank canvas and, and you got to fill in the blanks. This is the opposite. Now, the blanks have been filled. They were filled you know, in in the first week in July. And they were filled with the thought of going back to work potentially with no fans. So that's where the players, I think, are really ticked off and, and now are sitting going, okay, set aside how you feel about, you know, the pandemic and what it's done. And then just focus on the fact that we already had these discussions and we came to a conclusion and we signed on the dotted line. So is the argument now about where we are today or the fact that you had a chance to argue it in July and we came to a conclusion and we shook hands and we looked each other in the eye and said, this is the deal moving forward. And now you come back and you say you don't like it anymore. So it's just a, it's really now for the players right now, more than anything else, it's just a business philosophy is when is a deal a deal? And when do you get, um, mulligans or do-overs and how come I don't get a do-over when I sign my contract and how come Sidney Crosby will never claim in his in his career that he was uh, the top paid player in the game you know you don't think Sid would like a do-over off his 8.7 AAV when he sees so many of these jokers making 10 and 11 and have done squat he'd like a do-over too yeah, no, it's a it's a fair point. It's an interesting time for sure. Um, Nick Kipper is joining us on the starting lineup. Kipper, uh, you know, no matter what you do in life, it's been hard. What we're dealing with, are we wrong as fans to assume that if these guys get back on the ice in January, we are going to see some athletes in tip top shape who've done nothing but train and are ready to go at it? Or are we going to see some guys that probably have struggled and aren't where they should be because uh, of the fact that, hey, like anything else, it's been tough to be motivated. I mean, you played at the highest level. I would think there are some guys, and we saw it on lockouts after, oh, he didn't do a whole lot. I would think mentally for some of these guys, it's been tough to to get to the gym and find the ice. Would I be wrong with that assumption? I I think it's, yeah, it's totally an individual thing. And I I think, you know, from afar, we can see – you know, the guys that truly love the game, like a Mark Shifley who lives and breathes at 24 hours a day, and there's other guys that can punch a clock in and punch a clock out and never think twice about it in between. So there, there's a wide range, but I got to think guys that, you know, based on the return to play and the fact that they were off for months, they came back, and yeah, albeit it was a playoff atmosphere, um, but I, I think... I think their ability uh, to play the game at a high level um, is, is there. It'll, it'll kind of, the pendulum will swing a little bit. We'll see some lulls. We'll see some, some dull nights, no different than we saw in the bubble. Some, some, some games, it was tough to watch. Got to be honest with you. You know, mm-hmm. other nights it was fantastic. So there'll be more of that. But, you know, the hard part for the guys right now, James, more than anything, is the not knowing part is, how hard do I want to train here? How hard am, am I getting ready to leave next week? Or do I have to wait another two weeks? So they push it back now to January, mid-January. 
I suppose by next week, if they haven't made any um, gains on figuring out where they are with the dollars and cents, then that January 15th becomes January 25th or soon to be February. All that's happened in the last 24 hours with their talks is they figured out that January 1st doesn't work. So let's float out now middle of January. And I think the players, for the most part at least, will know now where they are with their training to maybe back off a little bit more. Um, you know, it's like anything else, man. You don't want to peak too early. You don't want to uh, get yourself revved up for something that's not there. It's, it's a difficult time for the players right now. Yeah, no, no question about it. Um, Kipper, the the the, ta- the conversation in terms of we look ahead, if if in the event that uh, we are looking at a, a January fifteenth start date that it seems to be suggested this morning, um, that if if it does come to play, it looks like based on where the border situation sits right now, it looks like we'll see an all Canadian division. Uh, how do you see the Canucks stacking and faring with the team that they've got, the changes that they've endured this offseason in a, in a, you know, what should be a stacked Canadian division? Like there's a lot of teams that are kind of in it to win it fight. Like, man, you think of all those years on Saturday night, hockey night in Canada, you had to watch some bad teams and now everybody's good. Like how do you see the yeah. Canucks kind of faring in that division? Oh, they'll, they'll be right, right in the thick of things. And just based on their, their return to play uh, bubble uh, success uh, that there's going to be a ton of pressure, a ton of pressure on Jim Benning to get this team, you know, possibly to a a conference final. Why not? I mean, that's how close they were. So when when you go from Vancouver to, to, to Montreal and the pressure now on Mark Bergevin to, to say, um, don't even question whether we're a playoff team, we are, and all the fans are going, yeah, we're, how far are we going to go? Not if we make the playoffs. So I love it. And then Ottawa, yeah, they were forced to spend some money, but I think they spent it wisely. And that's the most important thing. Cap or no cap, you know, the last 30 or 40 years, it's based on, you know, how, how well you, you, you allocate those dollars. And I think Ottawa did well. And when you factor in, you know, Nate Schmidt coming in, for Vancouver, who's a real reliable kind of guy, does everything well, not anything particularly great, but is, is a guy that could give you solid 20-plus minutes. Um, you know, the experience of Holpe to kind of patchwork in to maybe, you know, wait for Demko to, you know, take over full-time. Um, th- there's a lot to be excited about, and I, I think it'll be great for our country an all canadian even if it's a you know obviously a one-off to get through this pandemic but don't tell me for one second uh you know my my old company Sportsnet's not going to be licking their chops on that one and everybody else <laughs> watching no it'll kidding. be fantastic yeah no there's lots of great stuff hey we wait for your alcohol to get on the shelf but we would be remiss if we don't plug your book undrafted hockey family and what it takes to be a pro you've got to tell our listeners the story when you're on the air, you're doing sports net, you're doing a Leafs game and you actually get a phone call from Domi and he's who is playing in that game. Nick, is that right? Yeah, that is right. And, and he's just giving me crap for, um, you know, questioning Wade Belak, you know, rest his soul, you know, um, 
taking a couple of bad penalties. And I'm like, are you watching me in between periods? And he's like, start saying nice things about Wade. I'm like, don't you have a, a broken skate lace or, you know, talking about what you want to do in the third period, more important than, you know, what I'm saying on TV. But that's Ty, you know, defending his teammates to the bitter end. Um, you know, <laughs> I would have expected uh, nothing less from Ty, including uh, putting me in a headlock the, the moment he saw me somewhere. <laughs> and you got, hey, you got you also share an experience where, you got chirped by Mario Lemieux, and and as opposed to saying, you know what, and you were a tough guy. Like Brian Burke actually kind of speaks in his own book about how uh, you were you were a tough guy out of the ice. Wow! Um, but you get I chirped by Mario, and as opposed to letting it go south and and letting it escalate, you kind of took it as a badge of honor, didn't you? I, I did because he was him and Gratz were. That's it. I mean, they they sat at the top of the mountain, and uh, you know. I played with uh, his brother, Elaine Lemieux, and Hershey. So, you know, Elaine would always speak uh, of, of Mario and uh, tell me some stories here and there. So I think it was, uh, I think it was just Mario's kind of side way of uh, kind of making a comment, a sidebar comment to me about Hershey. And he basically just said on the ice, hey, Kiprios, why don't you go back to uh, Her- uh, Hershey and the Miners? And, uh, and then I turned around to my bench and I said, hey, boy, did you hear that? Mario knows my name. <laughs> <laughs> was, it, was it hard, Nick, or was it fun to write the book? Um, you know, it, you gotta, it takes time. And, uh, you know, uh, between uh, Perry Lefko, who co-wrote the book, uh, and even my wife had a big part in the book. She writes as well. So, you know, I just wanted to make sure it's uh, framed the way you know, I I think the way I kind of say stuff a little bit here and there, tongue in cheek, or you know, kind of bringing in the humility in all of this, and I don't necessarily take myself ever too seriously. So uh, I it just needed the right tone, and it takes about a year to do that, guys. And you know, you want to factor in everything, and the way we really shaped the book is from the moment I started playing minor hockey here. You know, I. I went to junior high school with Kirk McLean. We got kicked out of typing class, for God's sakes. I got to throw that in the book. Um, you know, all of that, uh, uh, you know, being a, a guy that got kicked in the teeth a couple of times, you know, uh, literally I had five root canals in one night uh, off a stick injury. And I just wanted to kind of bring it out full circle to tell everybody, whether it's hockey or broadcasting, you can get you can get kicked in the teeth, but you got to get back up, and you got to find a way. If it's if it's worth it to you at the very end, there's there's different roads to the same destination you want to get to. And for me, it was being a National Hockey League player and getting on a hockey card. That was my vision. Well, it's like the old Chumbawamba song, right? It's uh, I get knocked down, but I get up yeah. again. And uh, you know, hey Kipper, I'll, yeah. I'll say this: it, it's really nice to catch up with you again. And and I'll just share this with our audience: like when I when I left TSN in 2013, and I had first kind of signed on with uh, with Sportsnet, you were the first guy outside of management who I had spoken with that went out of their way. And and you know, we hadn't spent a whole lot of time together, but you would gone out of your way to to reach out to me and 
and to call me and, and to welcome me aboard. And you know what? That that phone call meant so much at that time. Um, you know, going back almost eight years now. Um, so thank you. And it's nice to, to, oh. to hear that you're doing so well. I look forward to trying some of the little Buddha and, uh, the book I've heard nothing but great things about as well. So, uh, you take care and glad, good to hear from you again, sir. Well, listen, I really appreciate that James. And you know, it's just, a, it's the player mentality. You know, if, if you got good leadership and Vancouver fans have seen that right from their inception, that, you know, you got a better chance to create a, a winning atmosphere, and that's what it was all about. And uh, really appreciate the kind words, and uh, wish everybody all the best there through the pandemic. And let's get to the new year, and let's have some fun again. Looking forward to that. Yes, thanks, thanks Kipper. Stay safe. Okay, Perry, James, thanks, man. Really appreciate the time. Great talking to you guys. Great to talk to you, too. Merry Christmas, sir. Thanks, uh, Nick Kiprios. Uh, Kipper, uh, telling stories uh, and uh, weighing in on the NHL's return to play and how the Canucks stack up in an all-Canadian division. 8.26 here on this Friday morning. Sabalski, Silkowski, right here on your home of Vancouver Hockey, Sportsnet 650. Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. How long before Josh Gordon gets suspended again, Perry? Just curious with that. Well, he can play the final two games, but, you know, we saw Josh Gordon with Belichick and he thought he would do something there. I mean, does it just say there's. Like, uh, I, people love resumes and skill and all that, but Josh Gordon's just never worked out. Hey, maybe. I mean, Antonio Brown, so far so good, hasn't been the weapon that he once was. I mean, are you getting Josh Gordon Cleveland Brown days? I don't think so. I, I don't know if they need a receiver like that. And But if if you get him at its best, who knows? Maybe he's, maybe he's playing there. Maybe he's buoyed by DK Metcalf and goes, yeah, I can help you guys out, but. I would like to think you're uh, you're probably right in thinking that it's not going to work out great for him. <laughs> yeah, at this point, uh, you just kind of wait. And, okay, what, where's where, where's the next doom and gloom? Where's the next speed bump in in his career? Um, we we heard the news, that, and Chris Wall also uh, addressing uh, this just a few moments ago. But uh, word coming down this morning, um, getting more and more of a sense of what the NHL's return to play could look like. And it sounds like there were some positive discussions and developments between the NHL and its Players Association this week. Uh, our, our hockey insider here at Sportsnet, Elliot Friedman, reporting on our sister station, uh, Sportsnet 590, the fan, earlier this morning. What this looks like, here's what Elliot says, breaking it down in terms of when the puck could drop and what sort of schedule we'll be looking at. I believe that in the last few days, the league and the players have engaged in conversations about a start on January 15th with training camps opening approximately two weeks earlier. The number of games would be in the 50s. I had some people telling me 52. I had some people telling me 56. But they've re-engaged on this. Now, what I think they're talking about is that the non-playoff teams uh, would report, like in the last few days of December, they'd get two or three extra days. The playoff teams would uh, report a report around New Year's Day. Um, uh, I think that uh, the end of the regular season would be around the beginning of May. They'd build in that schedule with a buffer zone in case they had to make up games. 
Uh, and I'm hearing the season would be over sometime around the end of June, beginning of July. So that's what they're talking about here. Now, the financial issues, I don't have uh, a full picture on that, although it sounds like the escrow ask about changing the caps is going away um, because I think everybody realizes here the players were not willing to agree to that, and but they are potentially more willing to talk about deferrals. I don't know where that is, but that's the information I'm getting as I wake up this morning. So there's Elliot Friedman, uh, bright and early this morning, sharing that news. 52 to 56 game schedule. Para, if I'm not mistaken, yesterday when we talked to Todd Furman from the Bet the Board podcast, he asked us, when do you guys think um, the NHL will get it up and running again? Did you not say January 15th? Yeah, we said the 15th and uh, in between 15th and February 1st is what we thought. Now, so 56 games is, is what they prefer, obviously a better chance at revenue. They say um, January 2nd for all 31 teams would be when training camp would be. Uh, other reports are now seven-day voluntary pre-camps for those seven teams that didn't get to the postseason uh, there. But, you know, voluntary, I guess you got to have something like that. So um, I think, and these were meetings that were held late last night. So if you're there and you're talking, you have to think if the players have kind of put their heels in the ground and said, listen, we're not giving you much more money back. Um, they go, okay, let's let's move away from that. When would you like to start? Oh, 15th looks like sense. We'll get the holidays. Okay, how many games? So I would say if the NHL is involved in these conversations and saying, okay, let's check if, okay, now we'll circle back to the money, it means they will relent in a little bit. But at the end of the day, as we said with Burke James, it's a 50-50 deal. So if they're not making the numbers they're making, at some point the players are going to have to give back more. But uh, the players would feel like, hey, we got a little win. We're not giving everything they asked for. We're basing it on what we talked about in the summertime, and that's it. So uh, positive news as we wake up this morning that it looks like at least they're talking a good conversations last night where they dealt with several things except for the biggest issue, but they can circle back to that at some point. Here's something else to consider, right? And and the NHL obviously a little slower to get out of the gate than the NBA, but the NBA's, you know, when they tested everybody earlier this week, um, you know, there was eight percent of the players tested, you know, tested positive for COVID nineteen, right? There was almost just under fifty players that tested positive for for COVID. So that's something else that, you know, teams are going to have to deal with with a shortened training camp. Okay, you're gonna get everybody back here. Um you know, what does a quarantine look like for getting everybody back, especially, you know, players from Europe? And, you know, how does this all play out here? I, I think there's a lot of questions to ask, you know, because if now you want to get up and running after the holidays, well, okay, that's one thing. You know, are, are we going to see flexibility from both the United States government and from the Canadian government as well? to say, okay, you know what, you guys can have more of a modified. But we're not looking at bubbles this time around, right, Pear? Like, we're looking at teams just, you know, operating out of their own respective buildings at this point, my understanding. Yeah, and so you have to find out. It's easy to say the Canadian division, so how is it going to look south of the border? Who's who's playing where? Are they just on the eastern seaboard? Those teams all play. Uh, who goes where in the in the California area? Who joins those teams? Um, and another thing uh, – that we should mention is okay. So when does this end? If we started in January and they play 56 games, when did they finish? Well, we, there was always going to be a finish line because the Olympics are 
to go ahead. And the Olympics and NBC, that is as big a TV deal as you can find. So they had to be finished by mid-July, and they will finish a week or so into July if they go with this schedule. But another thing they're looking at, too, is, you know, Seattle's coming aboard next year. So I think you want to get, if you finish in July, James, you can start your season on a regular time next year. And yet another wrinkle into the situation, if people are forgetting, is next year is a Winter Olympic year. And the NHLPA plans on going to play in the Olympics. They've worked out their deal. So you're going to have to have that two- or three-week hiatus to stop the league again next year so we can focus on Olympic hockey. So there's a lot of tangibles to get in place, but I would think it's let's get this shortened season done, get it finished in July, and let's hope, as Dr. Anthony Fauci said earlier this week down south, hey, he thinks in September you could see full football stadiums, which means same with basketball and, of course, same with hockey. Let's get to September. Let's get people back in the building. We know we've got to stop because you've got the Olympics. So we'll see. Good progress this morning as you wake up on this Friday, though, that at least they realize we can't stay away from each other. And they indeed have been talking the two sides to get a deal done. Well, here we are now. It's it's December 4th. Um, and, you know, you factor in. So, like, you know, it's a little less than 45 days, right? We're about 40 days away if and trying to get the logistics to get this all sorted out, you know, before puck drops. But I think there's there's... I'm sure they've been working on this already, but the idea of this Canadian division that it seems more and more likely it hasn't been made official yet, but hey, like the reality, and, and here's the other thing, Pear, like if you're looking at a just January 15th puck drop and you're going to try to get in 50 games between January, February, March, you know, April, and then I guess you're looking at May and June as your, your Stanley Cup playoff period, like that's a lot of games to cram in in essentially three and a half months for your regular season, right? Like maybe you sneak into early July, but I don't think the NHL wants to get into July. Obviously this is, you know, it's a different, these are very unique circumstances, like once in a century sort of circumstances here with respect to a pandemic. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think they want to get much more into July, especially with the Olympics looming, uh, with the NBC broadcast deal that they have to deal with as well in the final year with their NBC agreement. But you know what? That's a lot of games. And we've talked about the importance of goaltending and having two goaltenders, Braden Holtby, Thatcher Demko, be sharing a lot of time. How does that play out in Calgary where, you know, you've kind of gone all in with Jacob Markstrom, but, you know, how how much... How much can you trust and lean on Jacob Markstrom if you're trying to win and get into the playoffs, for that matter, in a very tough Canadian division? You know, are the Flames going to run in the run the risk of maybe burning out Jacob Markstrom? We've seen that here in Vancouver, right? Jacob Markstrom does not play well with a lot of work. This will be a crutch for some teams, right? When we're all done in July. You will hear GMs going, you know, it was really tough to base it. I mean, that wasn't a normal hockey year. We were playing three and four nights and getting a day off. I mean, it's it's really tough. I, I want to see my team in a regular 82-game schedule. Those who fail, that will be the go-to excuse. Um, so I would like to think from the Canucks going, we're going to try, and this will be a great opportunity for our young players. Why not? It's not 82 games. Maybe Jim Benning has made the right move to go, we want to see what they can do. And what will be a strange year? What happens with young players when they start in the NHL? They get on a roll, and then it's the consistency. They can't handle it. They get tired when you're playing game 60, game 70. We saw it in Petey's rookie year. Quinn Hughes seemed to get past him, but he never had to play 
regular season game number 72. So um, an interesting perspective. And what happens, you know, with Utica? What happens with the AHL? Got to find that out. Are you traveling with a taxi squad of six or seven extra guys? Because to your point, James, you're going to be playing a lot of hockey. You're going to have to give. I think we will see a little bit of load management for the first time in the NHL where some guys may not play a game simply because they've played so much and aren't feeling 100%, and they look at the schedule and go, there's really no downtime. There's no three nights off, so we're just going to have them sit this one out. It'll be a different perspective for how coaches and GMs handle the situation. Well, and, and all the talk about you know the kids getting a chance to, to try to compete for a roster spot um, you know, you, there's suddenly some depth here in this organization where, you know, if, if you throw it out there, look at your forwards, right? You, you know, Besser, Pedersen, Miller, Pearson, Horvat, Vertanen, Roussel, Sutter, Gaudette, Mott, Beagle, uh, Zach McEwen. There's 12 right there. And you go to your next wave. I mean, there's Louis Erickson, Sven Berchi, Nils Hoaglander. You know, if Furlan ultimately gets healthy at some point in the season, Cole Lynn. Uh, Jace Howerluck, who you know Jim Benning talked to yesterday and, and was really high on him, maybe cracking a roster spot, right? Like there's six more bodies that, you know, you're looking at 18 forwards there that are going to be vying for roster spots uh, for this upcoming season. That's just up front. But you know what? At a time when you're playing condensed games, pair, like depth matters. You know, what does a taxi squad look like that comes along? But depth's going to matter. I think you're, you're right. I think we could see an element of load management. I think especially from a goaltending standpoint, a lot of back-to-backs, I'm sure. But also the idea of, you know, guys sliding in and out of the roster or in the lineup. Yeah, and, you know, you go back to the bubble. And Louis Erickson was up in the press box. Jake Vertanen didn't get the start. He was up in the press box. And might have been Zach McEwen or someone else was up there. And we kind of thought, and they needed him because of the injuries. But you thought, you know what? This isn't a bad thing. It's not a bad situation that actually if someone does get hurt, those are real NHL players that are sitting and waiting, and you're going to need a bunch of them if you're going to succeed in what this shortened season will be when we get going. Uh, some more layers that we're getting more details uh, coming down here this morning. Uh, we'll uh, we'll touch on that before we uh, turn things over to the Scott Rintoul Show, and we'll do that next right here on Sportsnet 650. Now more of the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. All right, 849, uh, Pierre Lebrun at The Athletic uh, reporting here, Pierre, uh, this morning that uh, looks like training camps would get underway January 2nd. So everybody's got enough time to shake off their New Year's hangovers and uh, get ready to uh, get to work. Yep. Have your Christmas come into town. And we talked to Niels Hoaglander in the 7 o'clock hour. Right? He's he's sitting, played last night in the Swedish Elite League. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's like, you know, we talked about with Pod Colson. You're, you're waiting to get that chance. He knows he's coming here for training camp. Just wondering when that option will be. So I think players like that are going, okay, if it's January 2nd, when will the team reach out to me? When do I come? Like, I think for the most part, you have to find out how long that quarantine takes place or can you come and and start camp, but uh, certainly positives for James. When we started this uh, week of shows on Monday, we knew it was going to be a big week after the Thanksgiving weekend and nothing going on that you really got to roll up the sleeves and have it happen. Gary Bettman using his platform to kind of say, this isn't a negotiation. And I think it pissed off the players and you wondered, and then it went quiet for a bit, but the fact that they talked late last night, worked on a whole bunch of other things now they'll circle back to the financials, but I don't think the NHL would want to talk 
Uh, if they didn't have a plan to go, okay, let's figure this out. Maybe the ask won't be as big or we'll do it later on, but let's just get this game back on the ice. Appears to be trending that way. Well, it, it was it was a point that I thought you made, um, you know, yesterday with with respect to the whole return to play scenario and and how things could ultimately play out. Like, you know, with respect to escrow and the players being annoyed at you know having to pay back some of this or having to pay a little more. You know, the idea at some point with the fifty fifty revenues, you're going to have to pay it back at some point in time to make sure that the numbers add up. So, you know. Do you want to pay it now or do you want to pay it later? And, you know, depending on what stage you are in your career, <laughs> you know, if mm-hmm. you're at the end of your careers, yeah, maybe, you know, we'll, we'll do it in 25, 26, right? You know, if, you, yeah. if you're 36 years old, it's like, you know, we'll pay the extra ex- escrow in, uh, in 2025. I'll be done by then, you know, or. Yeah, I hate to laugh, but I'm thinking it. it down is Louis Erickson as as much as he has just been vilified here. There's a chance, you know, we talk about if you know we got to send Louis to the minors, and we we've, we've looked at it. If you send Louis to the minors, he actually makes more money, right? Is, is Louis sitting somewhere in Sweden going, you know what, honey? There's word that we might just push it, and they're going to have the escrow and all that go in in three years' time. I'm going to get all my money. I'm not going to give it back. Like he could work out because there's going to be some financial implications, and if the players say, hey. We'll deal with it in three or four years when we see the books and how much money you didn't make in these seasons. Rather than right now, you're right. There's some guys in the end of their career that are going to be scot-free, yeah, done. Unless they go back, go, oh, you made this much money in that year and you you owe us. But I'm not sure how those financials work. But for the most part, yeah, just push it away. I won't be here. Well, think about it for, for Louie this year from, from a salary standpoint, right? He got the $3 million signing bonus. and He's only a million dollars in actual dollars for, for this upcoming season. But if you're paying 20% of that in escrow, so now you're down to $800,000, you know, another salary deferral, another 10%. So now you're down mm-hmm. to $700,000. You wait for the tax man to come. And, and, you know, potentially, like if you're looking at even more to the escrow of the 20% potentially this year, you know, we haven't even got to the CRA's cut just yet, right? Like, I mean, Louis Erickson might, at at best, might be looking at pulling in, you know, three hundred and fifty to four hundred thousand dollars this year. Which, hey, look for the average for the average Canadian for the average listener right now, that's still a lot of money. But man, for a guy who signed a thirty-six million dollar contract this year, it's not a lot of dollars. And I wonder if that's something yeah. that the Canucks might look at and say, you know what, I think we're more inclined to keep Louis here this year. Um, you know, I, I mean, we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars as opposed to millions of dollars, but I mean, that there's, there's not a lot to play for if you're Louie this year outside of the love of the game. Congratulations to us. Somehow, some way we worked Louie Erickson into a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> we did it. And on that note, we'll let Scotty take on over here coming up at the top of the clock. We're back at it Monday. Same bat time, same bat channel right here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. They're going home. They're going home. Yeah, they're going home.